Big Dumb Movie is a comedic podcast that often contains obscene language and outlandish commentary. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Big Dumb Movie, where we discuss movies of the Big Dumb variety. I'm your host, Corey, and I'm joined today with my friends, Jonathan of Oxnard. How are thou? Happy of Kalamazoo. Good evening, sir. And Ronnie of Parts Unknown. Good morrow, lads. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me for what is sure to be a wonderful podcast. We are here this time to discuss a 1995 Disney movie, which is really just an era of movies that I love. Well, maybe. We'll see. A Kid in King Arthur's Court. Now, this is one of those movies that has kind of been forgotten about in time, which, as you guys know, I love because it's the kind of thing I talk about all the time. I want to discuss some other movies like this before we go right into this one. Movies that maybe you guys grew up on, that you watched on VHS at home a lot, that you just don't hear about anymore. I love these types of movies, and I have a few of my own. But, Jonathan, I want to go to you first. What are some like this that you watched as a kid, or at least that you knew about, that like you just don't hear about anymore? Well, I've definitely got a few obscure ones for you here. And I might take you for a little surprise. So, one of the, my most fond movies of being a child was The Dark Crystal. It's a freaking weird movie. Yeah. Nobody knows about that anymore. You probably had to be a, a, a real legit 80s baby to be able to watch that one. And I don't think it holds up today. Like, it's just fucking weird. And the, you know, the Muppets thing. And well, the Dark Crystal gets lumped into conversations about, like, Labyrinth as well. Yeah. So whenever someone, yeah. like, oh, you remember Labyrinth? What about the Dark Crystal? Yeah. The Dark Crystal, however, got like a Netflix series within the last five years. So that kind of like revamped the interest in it somewhat. Not enough to get it a second season, but at least enough for like millennials and Gen Xers to be like, oh, I remember this show. Yeah, absolutely. A couple other little ones like uh, Little Giants. I love that one. Shout out to Rick Moranis. Good, good human being. Flight of the Navigator was another one from like I think '86, maybe '87. Did you ever watch that, Corey? Dude, we watched that in school. When I went to Parkview Elementary, and when I first met you, which is at that school, yeah, our substitute teacher played that in class more than once, <laughs> and that's how I knew that movie. That's how I discovered that movie. No way. Yeah. I I used to rent this from the the video rental shop that was next door to my parents' store. And I would, I would get this like at least once a week as a kid. Sit down, Navigator. You have the information I require to complete my mission. I have been sent from Phelan to borrow samples of life from different galaxies for study. On this planet, I chose you. Why me? Why not? Okay, which way is my daughter down? I only know what's in your head. You don't know the way from your house to a 7-Eleven. 
That's a, it's a good one. You know, kid, you get a spaceship. It's like the kid fantasy movie, right? Yeah. Like imagine if an alien spaceship came down and you got to control it and you got to be friends with it. It's like, you know, it's like Terminator 2, but like less dire. Yeah. And I was looking at the promo material today and I was like, why did this spaceship look like a really enlarged clitoris, dude? It was really gross. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking weirdos. Anyways. A couple more shout outs. <laughs> <laughs> I used to watch this a lot with my sister, Secret Garden. Sick little cancer boy finally gets out into the secret garden, all full of magic and all that other stuff. I remember Lauren talking about that one. Yeah. And she yeah. was like, The Secret Garden. And I was like, That's a girl movie. <laughs> it it, it kind of is, but I mean, you know, fond memories watching it with my sister. For Sometimes sure. you have to do that kind of thing I, I don't still think it's a girl movie by the way i'm I'm no. a little bit beyond that like yeah <laughs> not, maturity. Not, yeah it's a cancer kid movie now <laughs> it's a make-a-wish movie <laughs> damn make-a-wish movie my boy ain't watching that shit <laughs> the borrowers was a good one mm. all right i don't know about all that <laughs> when i was a kid it was a movie when i was a kid it was a good movie to me that I'm not going to say as a 37-year-old man now that it's a good movie. <laughs> in every city, in every house, unseen, unsuspected, they borrow our possessions. They watch our every move. Now, it's time to see the world through the eyes of the borrowers. <laughs> Tiny little people. But one man. Ta da! 24 luxury apartments in the place of one house. Is out to destroy their home. I want this house flattened, and I want it flattened today! And he's about to discover. Those little rats stole something very important from me. <laughs> and nobody steals from OSHA's Peapot. <laughs> that big. Any last words? Isn't always better. Oh! From the author of Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. <laughs> comes an adventure for people of all sizes. I'm going to borrow you. Hold on to your hat. Small. End of the line, Berman. Hey, is awesome. John Goodman. I hate you little people. Oh, that's a shame, because we love you. The Borrowers. And uh, Harriet the Spy. Ooh, yeah. Nice. Harriet the Spy. Orange VHS tape. Yep. One of those Nickelodeon mm -hmm. movies. Yep. Rosie O'Donnell at yep. the peak of her powers. Yeah. Um, pretty interesting movie, I think. Like, it's one I kind of want to go back and rewatch because I think it might hold up in some ways. Because yeah. this kid, like, learns, like, a harsh lesson. I remember her being, like, a spy, at least in her own mind spying on her friends, figuring out all their secrets. And then she gets found out and they're all like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. And it's like a real like, oh shit, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And then she eventually has to like use her abilities for good, I guess, to defeat whatever bad guys there are in the movie. But like, I think there's some really interesting stuff in that movie in that way. It's literally every young teen these days, except they just do it on social media now instead of <laughs> the old spy ways they didn't have to don't have to uh come up with any 
crazy gadgets and schemes to find out things about their friends. Well, I remember Harriet like watching people through their windows and shit with like yeah. little binoculars. Like, yeah. That's, that's some spy shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, she was young. She's like in third grade or something, man. Like it's still innocent. I saw that in theaters. I remember my cousins, they were older, taking me to go see that. And I remember Rosie O'Donnell gets fired. Like uh, I think Harriet rats her out or something. I don't remember. Yeah, you're you're right. Well, Ronnie, let's go over to you. What are some of the movies that you kind of think qualify like a kid in King Arthur's court in the recesses of your mind? Uh, the first one that popped up for me as a kid, a lot of animation, really. First one was Brave Little Toaster. Ah, that was mine. Sorry. I, I figured someone else would mention it, too. But like to this day, I still don't run over the uh, vacuum cleaner cord because of that movie. And then... Uh, space eaters terrify me still to this day because of that movie. <laughs> yeah. As they should. <laughs> they catch houses on fire. <laughs> uh, who's the AC? Not, not a space eater, but whatever. Um, Page Master popped up too because I was thinking about like, because uh, I was reading a, a book that goes along with this movie. I was like, oh, that was a fun one as a kid because I like to read and imagine getting drawn into like books as a kid. You're really taking all of Pappy's answers, I think. But the page oh, I'm so master. Sorry. I, I actually had that. I had both of these on my list too, but I decided to you save some them? for the rest of us. The page master is one that will be a big dumb movie podcast eventually, and I think I know now what people to bring along for that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And don't uh, bring any bees. <laughs> uh, that's a stretch, I know, but <laughs> I got it. So it's all that matters. Um, Corey's made plenty of my girl memes in the past <laughs> absolutely and the last one i'll mention that since it's topical and i hope it's not someone else's is rookie of the year my brother is a big a big like baseball fan so i got stuck watching uh, baseball movies and rookie of the year has this kid whose name i always mess up thomas ian nicholas in it too mom come on i got a game henry thinks that he's actually gonna play today henry rowan gardner had a dream rowan gardner get in the right play in the major leagues only one thing I got it. stood in his way reality until one day everything fell into place how long will he have to be in the cast august and now rotate from the shoulder slowly Did he say funky butt-loving? Those tendons have healed uh, a little tight. Now, the kid who wasn't good enough for Little League... Mom, watch this! ...is pitching... Gosh, Henry, you can play for the Cubs! Hey! ...in the big leagues. I'm the new pitcher! 12-year-old Henry Rowengardner, the youngest person in history to play Major League Baseball. Rookie of the Year came out just a few years before this, really got this mm -hmm. kid famous. And then, you know, he, he got this movie, and then he got into his teen years, and he started doing American Pie movies. So, yeah, absolutely. Rookie what? of the Year. This guy's in American Pie? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he plays Kevin. Oh, shit. He's the one trying to fuck uh, Tara Reid. Ah. <laughs> That's right. Well, at least that was back <laughs> when she looked decent. Wait, you don't like Tara Reid now? 
Have you seen pictures of her? I haven't, no. Good Lord, don't do it. <laughs> She's a bit plastic. A, a, a lot of bit plastic. <laughs> yeah, dude, she got fucked up by the <laughs> plastic surgeon. Peppy. <laughs> Body positive podcast today. <laughs> Tara Reed just unsubscribed from Big Dumb Movie. Good job, guys. <laughs> we lost our biggest fan. <laughs> now, Bravely Little Toaster was the first one I was going to say. We had that taped from when it was on TV. And that's one of those ones where it was like the commercials that played in between are also burned into my memory of Brave Little Toaster. I don't know why people don't talk about it enough today. The other one that I had was a movie called Clubhouse Detectives. And this is a really obscure one, but it's basically like a kid's version of Rear Window. But the thing I remember the most is the the kid is taking a leak in the bathroom and he looks out his window and he sees his neighbor supposedly getting murdered behind the blinds. And he's so startled by that, he pees all over the toilet paper roll. And like to this day, I think about that every time I'm peeing, like how bad it would be if I accidentally peed on the toilet paper roll. (laughs) Imagine doing that in 2020. That would just be like a devastating thing to happen to you. <laughs> I think, yeah, you ruin a whole roll of two ply. Like, what an irresponsible kid. You just go to any public restroom and every <laughs> toilet paper roll has been pissed on. <laughs> yeah, sure. Call that a wet wipe where I come from. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, Balto? I, I feel like Balto was a little bit more well-known, but I feel like people don't talk about it today. That shit was on Cartoon Network like four days a week when I was a kid. Really kind of a sad movie. I think the the dog has to run some medicine across Alaska or something. <laughs> and then like just, I don't know. I had a little sister, so I feel like there was like so many Mary-Kate and Ashley bullshit movies where they were just like reskinning. It's a weird way to say it. Like, p- like putting Mary-Kate and Ashley in like just different roles, right? Like they would go to the West. They were like detectives and shit. I feel like I watched way too much. Of that. Oh yeah, and then, there was so many of those movies, Happy, and like Jonathan probably had to deal with those too with Lauren, I imagine. But yeah, and now they're not even the famous, like the most famous Olsons anymore. Like <laughs> their little sister's way more famous than them. That now. is interesting. Yeah, those movies though were like they always have a green screen montage because they don't like film on location usually. <laughs> so there's like a weird montage where they. I've watched a couple of them actually a few years ago just to see if they'd be funny podcast fodder, and uh, they are. We got to do a podcast on one of those eventually. Camera? Passport? Where are we going? Get ready to rendezvous with Mary-Kate and Ashley in Paris. We're going to Paris? What do two all-American girls do in the city of lights? Shopping. Ditch their chaperone. I don't do shopping. He's a geek. Meet a supermodel. She's Trey Chic. I do shopping. <laughs> Fall head over heels for two French boys. What do you say? Who cares? And see the sights. Magnifique. Ooh, you met some boys. It's a wild ride turning the city upside down. Wow, you girls don't twist any time. Will their French adventure go too far? Are we in trouble? Ooh la la. It's Mary-Kate and Ashley's passport to fun. Paris will never be the same. <laughs> what can I say? Teenagers. Mary Kate and Ashley's all new movie, Passport to Paris, now available only on video. Maybe we have to do like we did with the video game episode where we just take all of the Mary Kate and Ashley epi- oh, uh, movies yeah. and oh compile God. them just into one pod. Oh, my, oh God. my God. I don't think you could do a full pod on one movie. So you want us to watch more than one? <laughs> go big or go home. <laughs> you can binge in like Fast and the Furious movies. 
You remember that uh, Rocky podcast we did, Ronnie, at Wasted Potential? <laughs> We're going to do that with the Mary-Kate and Ashley series, that big dumb movie. I prefer a concussion, I think. <laughs> <laughs> prefer to be punched by Ivan Drago in his prime. Yep. If he dies, he dies. I googled how many Mary-Kate and Ashley movies are there, and all Google says is at least 18. <laughs> Google is not to, sure. To be fair, they're probably like... 45 minutes long and you could watch them on times two speed or 1.5 speed <laughs> people always like talk about what happened to them i'm like well they have so much like residual money they don't have to do shit for the rest of their entire lives so they like, it's trash movies and stuff but they made a bunch of money off of it mm-hmm. dude i'm sure they made so much money they had a video game actually they had multiple video games mm-hmm. you remember the handheld tiger video games that ran on double A batteries. Yeah, they had one shit. of those too. Okay, I know they had Game Boy games for yeah. sure. Yeah, I remember seeing those. The clothing yeah. line, do they? I mean, they had everything, and then they found crack cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I think they got the real stuff. I think they just got cocaine. <laughs> I think they were scoring rocks. Listen, I, we already lost Tara Reed. We can't lose Mary Kate and <laughs> Ashley. Charlotte. I'm pretty sure they got whatever they wanted. Have you guys seen the the music video they made where they're talking about how Elizabeth Olsen is super annoying? No. no. <laughs> you know Elizabeth Olsen, right? She's yeah. now way more famous than the, than them. She plays the Scarlet Witch in the MCU. She's a really great actress. Yeah. She's, you know, seems to be pretty normal at least in Hollywood like as a person because she didn't grow up with all the kid movies, but there's some video on YouTube that is from one of their movies or from like the beginning of one of their VHS tapes where it's like it's like a diss rap against her. <laughs> it's about how she's the annoying little sister. And she's in it, and she's like five, and she's so cute. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's on the internet. Check it out. <laughs> Lizzie baby, we rather you weren't alone today. But shouldn't we tell her why? We just rather you weren't, okay? Now back off and say goodbye. We'd rather be picked up by Twister. We tagged along after by a sister. We'd rather eat french fried garden snail. We'd rather lose all our fingernails. Or bathe in a pool of slime. Hasta la vista, baby sista. Maybe some other time. I got a few answers myself. I knew we all would have more than one. There's one that I've talked about enough on this podcast to where I feel like I basically reviewed it, and that's Richie Rich. My wife said that one too. There it is. I was asking her the same question. One of Macaulay Culkin's later movies, you know, he's getting a little bit older. Richie Rich, obviously famous, like old school comic character. A kid who's basically like a billionaire and has access to infinite money and technology. That movie plays very much like a 90s movie, right? There's like some Billy Madison type villain trying to take over like his dad's empire and he has to stop him with his friends. I talked about this, I think, at least 20 times by now. Richie Rich has a fucking fully staffed McDonald's inside of his house, which I think is the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Welcome to the home of the richest kid in the world. The home of Richie Rich. Hello? Richie, dear. Liver is rich in protein. It's very good for you. It's so tasty, too. He has his own baseball coach. 
Nice hit, Richie. Thank you, Mr. Jackson. A theme park. Man, it must be cool to have everything. And even a personal trainer. My name is Claudia. Yikes. He had everything a boy could want. You have your own McDonald's? Except the one thing he wanted the most. I'm wondering if you guys can come over this weekend, you know, hang out. Hang out? Friends. Maybe I can play with you guys. Not! <laughs> but when someone tried to steal the family fortune... I hate that kid. What are you after? The vault, Richard. The rich family vault. He finally got his chance. Richie? Boy, do I have a job for you guys. Remember this, you have the power of your father inside you. Like, trust the force, Luke. Now, access approved. Richie did it, he's in! Let's go! Whether by land... Let's kick some butt, shall we? Fire! By air... <laughs> or simply, by luck, they'll come to the rescue. Oh. Warner Brothers presents... An adventure so big, even the richest kid in the world can't afford to miss it. Yes! Macaulay Culkin. I used to think you were just some spoiled rich kid, but now you're not so bad. Richie Rich. Round one to you, sir. But there's a couple other Disney movies from like the 90s and 2000s that I want to bring up real quick. Brink and Johnny Tsunami. <laughs> Brink and Johnny Tsunami were both cringy as fuck and legitimately pretty good. Like they, they captured, I think, that perfect like Disney Channel movie vibe. I don't know if they're still as good, the Disney Channel movies, or if they still exist at all. But there was like a slew of them that were like pretty decently watchable, despite being pretty fucking stupid. No, only those were the only two that were watchable. What about Smart House? Nah. Well, I don't like that. Luck movie. of the Irish. <laughs> I don't like that. Alley Cat Strike. Nah. What's the one where the kid has a clone? The kid I, has a clone there, and he makes him do all his like chores and shit. That one's pretty good. There was another one that um, the the brother and sister switched the dirt bike racing. Like motocross. Oh, yes, yeah. motocross. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't a Disney Channel kid, but I remember distinctly... Before Johnny Tsunami came out, like it was everywhere. Like it was like advertised like crazy. I was like, I guess I gotta watch this. And I was like, oh, this is really like, disappointing. I, I thought it was something like really, really interesting. I guess I wasn't really a surfer or a skateboard kind of kid, but I just remember vividly just kept like, saying, Johnny Tsunami this Friday or something like that. Friday on Magical World of Disney. Hold on to your remotes because Disney's about to go Richter. How do you go Richter? With the Disney Channel original movie, Johnny Tsunami. <laughs> From the surf to the snow, he only knows one way to go. Ooh. Are you ready to go Richter? No possible way! Catch the Disney Channel original movie, Johnny Tsunami. Friday at 7.30, 6.30 Central, right after an all-new So Weird on Magical World of Disney. Th those two movies, Brink and Johnny Tsunami, were absolutely SoCal-based, relatable. If you lived anywhere in Southern California, you absolutely related to those movies and enjoyed them. Except actually, for Ronnie. Except for Ronnie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I actually, I watched both of those not too long ago. And? It was a very... 
nostalgic. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I think they they hold up, but I um, I enjoyed them more for the nostalgic factor than the actual production or you know quality of the movie. But I think it's worth a watch. Here's my final answer. My I guess my actual answer, which is a movie that I really want to do a podcast on someday. It stars an actor that has been in some big dumb movie episodes. It stars Tim Allen. Anyone want to take a guess which Tim Allen movie I'm talking about? Jungle to Jungle. Jungle to Jungle. <laughs> the one and only, man. It's got to be, right? <laughs> yeah. That that was on my uh, wife's list of movies this morning, too. Jungle to motherfucking Jungle. It's yeah. I think I've said this before, but I believe it was the very first thing I played on Disney+. Plus. When Disney+, Plus came out, I got it, and I put on Jungle to Jungle, which is like a really fun movie up until the very end when it makes absolutely fucking no sense because all of these movies have to have like the kids defeating adults that are the villains and for some reason there's like a coffee mob that is like woven into this movie and at the end the mob shows up and it's like tim allen martin short and the little jungle the jungle mimi siku boy and they got to take out the mob you know they got to (laughs) like blow darts at them and like set traps and shit it ends up getting really stupid. But up until that point, pretty fucking cool movie. I like it a lot. It's amazing that every one of your movies is also on my list. <laughs> I'm glad that I took off the ones I did because that worked out really well. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens, man, when we grow up together. Can we give a quick shout out to Fern Gully also? The Last Rainforest? Yeah. I asked my wife the same question this morning. She said Fern Gully first. Nice. Pappy, were you into Fern Gully? I, I mean, I watched it once. I have, like, no memory of it. I feel like people still talk about Ferngoli a little bit, though. Like, I remember, there's, isn't there a bat thing in it? Yeah, Robin Williams played Batty, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And where are you from? I just blew in from a biology lab. I'm back and I'm flapping free. Let me tell you a story, and it's all about... <laughs> See, Ferngully comes up in conversation whenever people talk about Avatar. Yep. Mm-hmm. I feel like Ferngully really? doesn't have its own place in conversation. It's always in relation to Avatar. Yep. Really quickly about Jungle to Jungle. When sh- my co-host Shane and I first started doing our podcast, he would always threaten me to review Jungle to Jungle. Like, it was always his go-to threat. <laughs> We're doing Jungle to Jungle next week. I'm like, no, I am not rewatching that. Ah, you know what? I got to have Shane on for that episode then. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> A lot of screaming involved. But it does co-star Martin Short, so. Oh, he's in that? I don't, I don't remember that movie. I just remember Kid and Loincloth and Tim Allen and uh, Amazon or something. Yeah, Martin Short's like Tim Allen's best friend. And he's the one that does like a lot of screaming. Like, you know, Mimi Siku does something crazy. He's like, look, I got a tarantula. And Martin Short screams. What are you doing? Feed my chica. 
What's Matika? Oh, now it's all coming back to me. Ooh, okay. <laughs> He's like an obnoxious sidekick, like a David Spade character. Yes, Ugh. exactly. But let's switch gears and let's go into this movie. This 1995 movie directed by Michael Gottlieb, Gottlieb, A Kid in King Arthur's Court. Pappy, I'm going to go over to you. The movie mm. opens up with a homeless man stuck in a well. <laughs> Sir Wetness himself, Merlin. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, when I think about A Kid in King Arthur's Court, I think about like my mom got the wrong baseball movie because I'm with Ronnie where I really liked Rookie of the Year and this is like, you know, the other one is like almost trying to trick you into thinking <laughs> it's that movie. But but yeah, um, I, I don't know. Merlin is a very homeless looking person who lives in a well in this movie. He's dead and he's got to conjure a brave knight to help save Camelot and that comes in the form of Sir Calvin of Reseda. I am Merlin, and I am back. Awakened from my eternal slumber to reach out across time for a brave warrior who can take up the sword Excalibur and save Camelot. Oh, great spirit of light, bring me that knight. You're up, Fuller. Ventilate him, Calvin. Try swinging this time, Fuller. Which I have, I have no idea how old Calvin is supposed to be in this movie. He looks like he's in high school, but he's playing Little League. I think he's somewhere between 12 and 14, you know? He's at that like weird puberty age where it's like, he might be a little bit older, he might be a little bit younger, who's to say? He's definitely hit a growth spurt since Rookie of the Year, though. Mm-hmm. Jonathan, Calvin is at a baseball game. So Calvin's at this baseball game and he's that guy that somehow made it on the team that is just a trash player. Me. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably forced to be there by his dad. You know, his dad was there in the stands, really high hopes for him. Come on, slugger, you can do it. You know, that kind of scene. But he's definitely got some like anxiety issues in the batter's box. You could tell he's not comfortable playing baseball. Um, he's not a real confident kid, and, and and that was pretty obvious right off the bat. And all the other players kind of treated him like shit. The coach kind of talked down to him. So it it really gets you set up for the movie here in portraying this guy as a a. a unconfident young you know tween is that what they call them these days mm-hmm. I guess they didn't call them that back then but <laughs> so it kind of paints that picture they basically bully him for being an inside boy like so like it's what it kind of feels like right like because like my biggest question was like what is Calvin's character because they, they, they just jump into this movie very quickly and just throw us into the Camelot so I was trying to like, okay, I'm trying to get an idea of what kind of character he is. Okay, he's not very athletic because they constantly make fun of him being afraid of baseball or 
jousting. He likes rock and roll. So I don't think that makes him a dweeb, but I guess he likes understands technology because he uses it later to his advantage. Maybe he's a scout because he's a Swiss Army knife. I was trying to figure out who is this kid. But he's got some sick rollerblades, you know, so I couldn't really say he's an indoor kid. He loves metalworking. I think he's just like your your average relatable like 90s kid. I think, you know, he's up here playing baseball. Maybe he kind of wants to. Maybe he kind of doesn't want to. But like he's he's timid. He's definitely nervous. And I think we could all relate to that at some point being that age. Like, oh, fuck. Am I going to everyone's looking at me? I'm up at bat. Am I going to fuck this up? And of course he does. I think he is super relatable to Corey at that age. (laughs) Like Corey, Corey really was like equally an indoor kid, but also an outdoors kid too, because we skateboard and snowboard all the time at that age. Yeah. And we were always doing stuff outside, but we're equally okay with being inside kids at the same time. Yeah. Lots of video games and pogs too, you know? Yeah. Did you have that same haircut in the nineties? He there was almost a, did. There was a dead animal on my head. <laughs> there was the uh, Zach De La Rocha from Ridgens Machine kind of hair. He's kind of floppy. Somewhat. Yeah, before he dreaded it. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I will say this in the movie's fa- favor. It does not fuck around with this intro nope. at all. Like this intro is like three minutes long. It's like 30 seconds of Merlin, two minutes of baseball. Then here's the kid in King Arthur's court. Like we're giving you what you paid for right away. <laughs> Yeah, they don't they don't waste time. You know, Hook spends a lot of time in the real world. It's like twenty minutes before they go into Neverland. There's a lot of build up. This movie yeah. is like fuck all that. <laughs> Kids going yeah. into Camelot right now, goddammit. I was about to toss to you, Jonathan. He is in the San Fernando Valley in the nineties, so of course there's an earthquake. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, so Corey and I, even though we were, you know, what? 50, 60, 70 miles north of Reseda as kids survived the Northridge earthquake, which was pretty gnarly. Yeah, was that that 1994? Yeah, that was like, that was the largest earthquake that we had ever, probably have ever experienced. Yeah, everyone has a a story about the Northridge earthquake that happened in 90, I think it was 94 out here in California. We were very little, but it was like, it was insane. We could feel it like, like it was happening like right underneath us where we were. At least that's the way it felt for me. Absolutely. I had uh, bunk beds at the time and um, I used to always sleep on the top bunk. And I just remember in the middle of the night, the earthquake going off and my dad running into the room, grabs me by my t-shirt and just pulls me off of the bed from the top bunk. And the top bunk was swaying back and forth. And we're taught to stand in the door jam or in the doorway because that's your, you know, most protected area inside the house. If you can't get out of the house, you stand inside of a, of the doorway because the framing is, is so strong. Wow. See, you guys were actually playing it. See, the way I remember it for me and my memory might be wrong. Sometimes I remember things incorrectly from that long ago, but I was sleeping in the same room as my mother for some reason that night. There was this big earthquake started happening. I woke up terrified. My mom, I see her in her bed. She just like goes from prone to sitting up right away and just screams. She's just sitting there up screaming. And it was so loud that I remember like covering my ears as tight as I could because it was just like my mom screaming bloody murder. Didn't do anything. She just sat there and screamed. Holy shit. <laughs> Why am I laughing at That's that? That's wild. 
That's the way I remember it. I hope that's not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) The house might be falling down on you guys, but, you know, at least she screamed it off. And now everyone's awake. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody was sleeping through that one. Absolutely not. It was like a fire alarm. Yeah. You know, and I feel like I remember a lot of media from this era, like mid-90s, early 90s, where someone like falls through an earthquake pit and like travels to another place. That might just be the 90s reboot of Land of the Lost. But I feel like this had happened in like other areas as well. It's like it's an earthquake. You fall through the earthquake and then you're somewhere else. It's like a time portal, you know? Yeah, it's so ridiculous. Like, you know, this kid fell 45,000 feet into this chasm and he should have just burned up He's in the very, center of the earth. He's very comfortable with falling through this chasm, by the way. Apparently. <laughs> like he, he doesn't seem like too stressed out about it. Him falling through with like him like rolling down the windows, you know, when he's falling. I remember that being on like the trailers for this. Anything was better than striking out again. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not happenstance, right? Doesn't Merlin intentionally reach out to the universe for a hero? We do later find out, yes, okay. that this oh, is that, the guy. That was Merlin? I thought it was the crazy cat lady from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down uh, Doc Brown got stuck in a well on the set of a high school play. Like, it should... <laughs> <laughs> This movie looks so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they found somebody from the retirement home. It's like, hey, can you just come say some lines for us? <laughs> Ever do community theater? Yeah. You're hired. <laughs> Ronnie, I'm going to send it back your way. Calvin has left Reseda. He is now in medieval times for reals. <laughs> yeah, and he falls from the sky at a, a peak velocity and then um, lands on the Black Knight. The Black Knight is being uh, chased in hot pursuit by the King's Guard and the King for some reason. I don't know why the King finds it to be so important he has to leave his throne to get in the carriage and say after him he has my box of treasures and he just happens to be there because like the king would be like fuck that you guys go get my shit bring it back like why would i ever be involved in the pursuit of the black knight but we have to get introduced to all our main characters so calvin falls on the black knight and instead of them both exploding they fall down into fun winnie tunes comedic action calvin screams and then runs off into the woods we get introduced to, like I said, the king and our main villain, Velasco. Oh, ah, sire. Find the brave man who followed the Black Knight. I want to thank him personally. Please. <laughs> thank thee, Lord Velasco. Pleasure, Your Highness. Spread out! Find the Lord! Yeah, we, we get to see the very obvious villain pretty early on, don't we? It's like the Jafar guy, right, Jonathan? Dude, I totally got that. The, mm-hmm. It was like the same concept as Aladdin here, except less magic carpets. Which, apparently there's a sequel to this movie, Yeah, totally unwarranted, where he goes to Aladdin's palace. Never seen it. It's called A, a Kid in, in Aladdin's Palace, yeah. Huge Jafar vibes from Lord Elastic. You know what I was super impressed by? Belasco's hairline dude <laughs> he's got his hair pulled back into like a uh 
early 80s porn guy (laughs) (laughs) ponytail (laughs) and uh oh my god dude this is just ridiculous and then that like the gray streak of his hair in in true lies you can kind of see it because he's also Belasco is also in true lies anyway but you can see but his hair is like real curly in that movie this one they kind of pulled it straight back yeah it's like look man you're hairline has receded further than lebron james's hairline here like it's time to let it go dude just let it go so you're talking about belasco who is played by art malik his like you said his most famous role i think is uh as aziz in true lies yeah who is the leader of the terrorist outfit known as crimson jihad which I think is one of the funniest names for a terrorist organization. Crimson Jihad. That just strikes fear into the hearts of your enemies. I love it. Sounds like some Street Fighter shit. <laughs> it's very 90s, you know? It's yeah. like a 90s comic book almost terrorist name. But yeah. yeah, that guy's in this movie. He's like the random Persian guy or whatever that happens to be like on the Arthur's court. Why is he there? How did he get there? You know, who knows? But he's very Jafar, right? He's in the yeah. king's ear and he's kind of like running the show. Yeah, you could tell he's he's a bit of a shyster right from the beginning. <laughs> you like that word, shyster? It's got a connotation to it there. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt that was kind of that's kind of nineties throwback word. <laughs> well, he does seem like a guy that would be selling used cars. And I can say this from experience. I deal with these motherfuckers all the time at my job. <laughs> very much like Belasco, these guys. Yeah. I immediately just thought like uh, Rodney Dangerfield should have been the king. Like no offense to Joss Ackland. Yeah. No offense to him, but I was just like his kind of bug eyes and like his white hair, just his demeanor. I was like, how how much more fun would it be if Rodney Dangerfield was like the king here instead? I'm the king. I can't get no respect from nobody. It's terrible. (laughs) Take my daughter. No, please take her. Yeah, I mean, the king is, is, is a weird dude. It's kind of a weird casting. This guy, I know him from another movie, and that's Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, where he plays Denomalos, who's like the main villain of the movie that you don't actually see a lot until the very end. In this movie, the way he plays the king is like almost like semi-senile at times, especially in a scene later on, like where the king first wakes up and he's going on about like interlopers are all around me. He's kind of like a, a crazy old man. By Merlin's prophecies, dost thou come at me in my sleep? Well, thou shalt not take me that easily. Come into the light, you cowards! A coven, which way did they flee? How many were there? Five, ten? Oh, the royal blood is pumping now. Leave us ride after the interlopers. Sire, stop. There are no interlopers or outer lopers. Don't be ridiculous, boy. Get me my but Pappy, we do get to meet him properly. The when... fuck is an interloper? <laughs> Better than an outer loper, dude. <laughs> I know what elopers are. <laughs> really quickly, I forgot to say in my uh, little synopsis there that, that this is the King Arthur. It's kind of a, a major point, right? It's in the title of the film, but it's the King Arthur. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what Calvin's figuring out is that the Arthurian myth doesn't exactly live up to what it was in 1997, whenever this takes place, that there's no round table. I don't know a lot about this kind of shit, but there's no Lancelot 
right, Merlin's dead. It's kind of past its golden era. And when we see the king in that um, medieval feast that they're having, he's just kind of stuffing his face, pretty disconnected from his people. Yeah, going like full Orson Welles. Mm -hmm. And Calvin is taken before the king. He's taken to Camelot, which it turns out actually is a silly place. Monty Python was right. <laughs> yeah. Lord Belasco immediately hates him for no reason, right, Pappy? Did you find the boy? Of course. And bring him to me. Ah, he was taken to the great hall, my lord. The king. You take your orders from me, that stupid old fool. Look, I have Arthur exactly where I want him. The Black Knight's working his magic wonderfully. I do not need interlopers like this little boy spoiling it. Now you are my High Chamberlain. Deal with it! Which I don't get. So Lord Belasco has this little henchman dude. And we come to find out later who the Black Knight really is. But the movie totally lies to you. And it makes you think that the Black Knight's on his payroll. Like, Lord Belasco's like, yes, yes, the Lord Knight is, or the Black Knight's doing exactly what we want him to do, which doesn't make any sense at all. But ultimately, Calvin is able to swing the court through a trial of combat by playing combat rock in the first of two portable CD scenes. Um <laughs> I thought they were going to play The Clash or something. Maybe they couldn't afford it. I don't know why he says combat rock, but it's, it's so fucking stupid. The widest headphones of all time. He stretches <laughs> them between two giant horns, like 30 feet apart <laughs> in this hall. They are wide. Jonathan, what do you think of uh, when Calvin whips out his one defense mechanism, combat rock? <laughs> Dude, this is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I... I... How does it work, Jonathan? Does the technology so, hold up? <laughs> no, no. I, however, I will answer the headphone thing, though. Okay. Back in the day, they used to make the earbuds two individual strands or, or wires, right? And they were just kind of stuck together. So you could actually split them all the way down the middle to the to the jack connection. So... You know, hey, if those things were three feet long, now you got six feet. So do you sell your own peril? Because they're going to get tangled forever. Yeah. After you do that. <laughs> yeah, they really. Yeah, they would. You would never get the knots out of those. But um, if no, you they, connect them to a horn, do they like amplify uh, like like 20 decibels or what? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it's a long shot. <laughs> what? I, so Belasco says, all right, you know what? I fucking hate you, kid. You showed up and I fucking hate you. I challenge you to a duel. And the king's like, all right, how do you want to uh, fight him, Calvin? Calvin's like, I choose combat rock. Connects the headphones to the horns, right? Plays music. It blows out everyone's eardrums. And Belasco, like, is defeated. He, like, walks off in defeat and shame. <laughs> <laughs> he leaves in such a huff. He's so... Johannes! Oh! It's obvious this boy is in league with the Black Knight. Who, me? No, no, I'm not. He's nothing but a common spy and a little thief. I don't know how I got here, Your Honor, but, but I'm not a spy or a thief. Well, thou hast been challenged, lad. Step up and prove thyself worthy. Of course, the, uh, the boy may be allowed to choose the mode of combat. Combat? Can we talk about this for a minute? 
Wake up. This isn't a dream. Quite right. It's your worst nightmare come true. Choose. Go to combat. I gotta choose a weapon. I choose combat rock. Here goes. Full-blown digital stereo. I never heard such a clamor in all my days. That was no clamor. That was rock and roll. If he had rollerblades in his backpack, why didn't he just say, like, I challenge you to ride the rollerblades without falling on your ass one time? Like, <laughs> combat fruit boot. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> okay, so this kind of, because you mentioned this, uh, Jonathan, like, like, they probably couldn't afford the clash. So this movie had a budget for $15 million. And I keep asking myself, like, where'd the money go? This movie looks so cheap and, like, cut corners on, like, everything. So where did all that money go? Because they didn't get the payroll. Yeah, but, like, they didn't get any good rock music. Like, it's just, like, I'm, and and the kid just goes, I'm just going to play rock. He just presses a button. I'm like, this is so boring and not a cool, like, way (laughs) to, like, defeat someone in combat. Like, you could make it cheesier and fun. He goes up to, like, the, the, the loop player and says, oh, put play like this chord, do this, and connects it. It just, I press play, it connects to the horns, and it's loud. I'm like, oh, it's so lame. It sounds like a riff you would hear on a soundboard or something like, it's not real music. It's generic, yeah. It's not like any known piece of music. It's definitely generic as fuck. Yeah, you know what else is stupid? Dude, This, it's not like a piece of digital media or a cassette where it stops and then starts from that specific point. Like you had to start playing and then he would have had to cue it up fast forward to get to that point. Cause the songs right. just don't start out like that. Like, dude, you know, that was at least a minute 40 into the track. That's a good like, point. Hold, hold on guys. Wait, I need a minute and 40 seconds to set up here. I mean, not to mention after falling 40,000 feet and being cushioned by the armor of the black Knight, that CD is fucked. It is scratched to shit after you that. You know, that laser is fucked up in there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, those CD players could not take many bumps back in the day. Dude, what the hell was he doing falling down the forever hole there with his backpack anyways? He was in his baseball game. He grabbed it. Uh, That's why he went back into the dugout. Got it. Because he needed his uh, backpack full of tricks, which can hold a lot of shit. Rollerblades take up a lot of space, man. I know. That actually tells us a lot about Calvin's character. That he's the kind of kid who brings a backpack with all of his stuff to a baseball game. (laughs) (laughs) He brings a knife to a baseball game. <laughs> These kids talk too much shit. They're going to get stuck. I like your tan. Not just any knife. That's a Swiss army knife. The very name conjures greatness. Like Holly Davidson. <laughs> a movie so good we quote it for fun. See? <laughs> so you use that corkscrew and just go after one of the kids and say, motherfucker, stop making fun of me. <laughs> He was going to fuck. That was his day, man. He was going to kill someone. (laughs) These motherfuckers make fun of me one more time for striking out. I'm stabbing one of them. Now it's very 90s. (laughs) You know what he should have done? He should have took the laser from the CD player and lasered his eyes out so he wouldn't have to play baseball anymore. We can't talk about the laser yet as much as I want to. (laughs) 
I want to put myself though back in the in the mindset of a kid in the '90s watching this because when he busted out Combat Rock, mind you, I was nine years old. I was very excited. I was like, "That's <laughs> fucking badass." I was like, "He he did it. He defeated this slimy piece of shit Belasco." I was like, "Go you, Calvin of Reseda. You fucking rule." Each piece of tech that he introduces in this movie, I thought was cooler than the last when I was a kid, including stuff with the blacksmith, which we're going to get to in a little bit. <laughs> but I have a question for you, Jonathan. Yeah. Is Reseda the bowling capital of the world? I've heard of that. You have? I yeah. Googled this. <laughs> Pappy, do you have any? You live in Michigan, right? Yeah. Isn't the bowling capital of the world like Detroit? I have no idea. Where does Kingpin take place? Like the finals of Kingpin. I was going to say it's either Detroit or Reno. Well, that's where the, that's where the final tournament is in Reno. That's got to be pretty significant. They came from the East. But where's Reseda play into this? Who who cares? (laughs) He says it. Yeah, but there's, there's bowling (laughs) tournaments all over the world. Ronnie, what's the answer? So I actually Googled this because I was like, what happens when these movies are boring to me? I just Google random little tidbits there. So it says Detroit is the first thing that pops up. It's just like known for the bowling capital of the world. Bunch of inside kids. <laughs> yeah. Inside kids makes sense because the, the gunfire. Uh, the next one was uh, Milwaukee. Was the next one. It has some like, it uh, makes sense, I guess, you know. Cold, terrible cities. <laughs> yeah, and all you do is drink yourself to death, and you, you can be a good athlete if you're drunk and love cheese, I guess. And then finally, the, the most bowling alleys in the world is in New York City. Not Reseda. There you go. They were probably talking about lawn bowling in Reseda. Hmm. If you say so, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> Now, Calvin, who is obviously from the Valley in the 90s, he is now here in Camelot with King Arthur. He's immediately thrown into the mix. Like Pappy said, this movie just gets going. One thing that strikes me is that he's very, like, on board with this situation. Like, he's very cool with this. You know, obviously when Belasco challenges him to a duel, he's, like, concerned. But other than that, he's, like, pretty, like, comfortable with being here in a way that I don't think I would be. I think I'd be very concerned. I'd be freaking the fuck out. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. where the fuck am I? I'd probably be crying a lot. You know, like, <laughs> it wouldn't be good. <laughs> like, just imagine how bad it would smell. You know what I mean? Like, you'd just be overwhelmed. Like, a medieval hall like that, there'd be so much stink. <laughs> yeah, I feel like people would be pissing on the walls a lot and stuff, you know? Mm. Pissing on the toilet paper rolls. <laughs> talk about the uh, the castle here the only positive thing i wrote down for this film that i like except for like some of the little jokey things later is the natural lighting like at least they bother to do natural lighting in the film with the candles and the, the sun coming through right it's got that like orange yellow glow when they're inside the castle right yep it's ugly i'm like that that looks accurate it's a little dark for me i don't tend to like movies that just have real i know they're they're being basing it off of like real world environment what it would have been but i just don't really particularly enjoy dark movies like that 
It did bother me in some scenes, but what the movie does is it takes you out of the castle often yeah. enough in between, so it's not like in that constant state of dimly litness. So I didn't think the castle looked bad. Like uh, Ronnie, I know you said like you didn't know where the production design went. I think they went over to like Hungary to film this. So I don't know if that's where they shot the like, internal shots of the castle, like some castle there or, or whatever. But I don't know for like as bad as this movie is, I thought the internal of the castle looked fine you know what i mean like it could have looked way cheaper like a studio lot or something i'm very okay with it i think if this was like its sequel which i haven't seen you know none of us have i guess but like that was a straight to video movie that movie i would imagine probably has those failings right of like where the sets and the costumes like the budget went to that this one in terms of like the structures they're in it does look small, right? The environment, it doesn't feel like a big castle. Maybe it's not a big castle, but it looks accurate enough, I think. Like, the walls don't look like they're foam. Yeah, if you go back and think about it, um, the really only internal castle shots were really, like, the great room, and then there was a couple of bedrooms, and then Merlin's um There's, dungeon. like, a hall. They use yeah. a hall a lot. Yeah, they use that same hall yeah. quite often. Merlin's den specifically looks really, really bad, but like that, mm. that's what I mean. Like that's what I mean. Like a high school play, it all feels really small. I mean, it's like the King of England. I know there's limitations and money and budget in the '90s, but I was like, this is the king, and it looks like a, a gross sex dungeon. Not really like a, a very <laughs> kingly manor or something like that. Yeah, that is where the movie takes us next, where... To the rape dungeon? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Princess Catherine takes Calvin to her rape dungeon, where Merlin used to reside. We got Excalibur in there. Very shitty-looking Excalibur. You know, when I think of Excalibur the sword, I think of it having a specific, like, hilt, and it doesn't have that same one. Obviously, they tried to make it a little bit fancier, but I don't I don't particularly like it. It didn't like even it. have a good blade. It didn't have a good edge on the blade. It was rounded on the tip, like... A lot of the swords in this whole movie, you could see the tips were extremely rounded. Like, get some point on that thing, man. For sure. Really quickly, because you, you glossed over this, Corey, because before they go to the Legend of the Hidden Temple, and like the Well of Destiny. <laughs> Olmec. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, um, the girl Catherine says, uh, my father won't appreciate my nocturnal transgressions. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Can't forget that. <laughs> Wait, you're father sent you here? I um, cannot lie to thee, sir. My father knows nothing of my nocturnal transgressions. Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't get over her, um, the way that she spoke. I, I feel like they made her vocabulary, like, like they just tried a little too hard. That's the, the most noticeable yeah. instance of that, I think. My father knows nothing of my nocturnal transgressions. And he's like, I don't know. He says some like Valley speak shit in response. They they went super hard on him though too. Like yeah. they had him go way overboard for a '90s kid. They're like, you got to be as Valley '90s as possible, kid. Put all this shit in the script. And that's why it's so noticeable when they have these just random little moments of like, oh, thou art and thine own doeth and knowest and that kind of, that kind of shit. It's like he's his juxtaposition is like this really stands out as like very. It feels like cheaply kind of an easily quickly written. I think today would be worse though, you know, like 2023 with like, 
uh, what a Gen Z internet slang would be fucking bad. No cap, good sir. <laughs> I was just gonna say that. Yeah, like no I just shit. I just fell in the earthquake crack. No cap. He'd be like, "You're in Camelot, sir. Dead ass." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this tournament is lit. <laughs> His jousting is mid at best. <laughs> yeah. Lord Belasco is mid as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Is someone down there? What are you doing here, boy? Stand aside so I may see my great warrior. Where is he? Come, come. Step forward. Um, I hate to tell you this, but I'm the only one here. You must be joking. No. You're Merlin, right? Something has gone horribly wrong. What was that wretched spell I cast? Half a quarter pig vomit and the two monkey brothers pig vomit or was it the other way around good lord oh i get it this is all a big mistake that's okay everybody picks me last jonathan calvin does get to meet merlin and kind of discover his purpose there you know how does that play out well what i right before that what i thought was actually pretty cool was um the secret doorways within the castle that Katie shows Cal and uh, like where she had to put out the fire and then there was a secret entrance, go down the hallway, another secret entrance. That was pretty cool. And I think as a kid, you always thought that any place that had secret doorways or secret Fuck tunnels yes. was the fucking best. dude. Absolutely. And, and, and the thing that bothered me is that he didn't react enough to it. He was just like a secret door. Cool. Yeah. No, I would have been like, I want to fuck with the secret door for a while. Yeah. Like, I fucking love this. <laughs> right. Like, Even- show me what you did. <laughs> yeah. I want to see the procedure for opening this door. I would really be excited about that in a big way, especially as a kid. But even now, like, that's carried over for me into adulthood. Secret doors are cool yeah. as fuck. I just saw a video yesterday of a guy who had a wardrobe. And you, you, it was a secret entrance through the wardrobe. And it was this old man who had this massive library, a full bar. Like it was a total, like just his sanctuary through the wardrobe. And it was fucking cool. Man. I love it. And it's pretty crazy that we're the most excited about the secret doors of this whole <laughs> yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Like I feel like nowadays people like love secret doors and it's childish because this whole like uh, escape room kind of fat like whole fad too of like oh getting the key and unlocking the room and going to the next one so i feel like most people like have that like nostalgic kind of childhood like fondness whether it's like scooby-doo or cool palaces and secret escape tunnels so it's not just you guys but you guys are definitely a giddy out over this yeah absolutely. i think it's like the indiana jones thing right it's like that's like a factory like you think of being in some like ancient ruin and it's like oh who knows what or like the goonies you know who knows what yeah. kind of secret door you can kind of like find your way into I didn't know much about pyramids until kind of semi-recently, the last couple of years, like about what it's actually like inside. I honestly assumed it was like the mummy for like my whole life. I know I'm a fucking idiot. I get it. <laughs> but like, <laughs> apparently it's just like one walkway that takes you from one end to the other. But like I had assumed there was like tunnels and you can like undiscovered like caverns and like you can like trigger a th- fucking door that could open there's no way technologically speaking that's possible right like, like shooting darts when you uh <laughs> yeah, you know, step yeah. on the wrong stone <laughs> that's so funny because like that's rooted in the base of like british explorers and like them writing these 
vaguely racist type of like beliefs about like uh, Egyptians or even like in uh, like uh, Central or South America, like all these like pyramids and things like that. Like, oh, there's traps and there's treasure. Like all these just like fake beliefs that we just bought into and become part of our pop culture and like our horror movies and our adventurer movies. There's something fun about it, you know? And I think this movie tries to introduce some of those elements, especially right here. Yeah, absolutely. But enough about traveling through the castle. Calvin has to get up to some like night training shenanigans, doesn't he, Pappy? Yeah, and this is where we meet Master Kane, aka James Bond, aka Benoit Blanc, aka Daniel Craig. Like, that's one of the most mind blowing things from this movie. I don't think we mentioned Kate Winslet's in the last scene, but like, watching this, like, if you would have told me at the time, this guy would go on to be like play James Bond. I was like, there's just no fucking way. And that's not to say that he's more like James Blonde. <laughs> yeah. It's not to say that he's bad, but it's just like, there's nothing here that would clue you into like the superstardom he would have later in life. What are you talking about? That bowl cut though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That hair is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> It starts to be like poetry. It rhymes, right? Like, I, I don't oh think God. we mentioned this, but there's four things that he has to remember, and he keeps getting these oh coaches man. and mentors who say three things. Lord, now look, just remember what I told you. Three things. You lean in, you cover the plate, you pick a point in the outfield, and you let it rip. Actually, that's four things. Remember three things. Lean in, protect your steed, Fix a point on your opponent's person and have at him. That's four things. What? Never mind. And we see that he's like, you know, really bad with an axe. He's constantly shooting arrows and throwing axes through windows, taking out cats off screen. He's a bit of a mess. The arrow goes in like the, the castle and you hear a cat like growl. Like that shit is that is so like perfect for this time, but also very awful. <laughs> the funniest line I think in this movie is in the scene when he's training for the first time. Not that it's laugh out loud funny, but I think it is a well written line. And that's when he says, "Oh, would you care to show us how it is done in Reseda?" Uh, actually, I was hoping for a desk job. <laughs> I think that that's pretty good. That's decent. Jonathan is shaking his head like, get the fuck out of here. like, what the fuck is a desk? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I thought the training area was pretty cool, though. I, I like the the horse that was like on the slingshot rubber band or whatever they they had to to project it forward. The, the training area was pretty cool. I, I enjoyed that little that scene a little I bit. I like that they have the training room and stuff. But the idea that Calvin is intimidated to get on this fake horse and lob off this fake head is absolutely baffling to me. Well, I I think that stems from the same lack of confidence about being in a batter's box and striking out. I mean, that dude, that's besides being projected forward, that's the same shit. But any Mm -hmm. little kid would fucking love to do this shit. And it's so goddamn easy. Like, it does not look hard at all. You just sit on this thing <laughs> that goes two miles an hour, and you swing the fucking axe at a still target. It's easy as shit. What can you say? He's still a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, side note, Daniel Craig uh, in the scene, 
It reminded me of the creation from Rocky Horror Picture Show. (laughs) So the whole whole rest of the movie, I just kept calling him the creation in my notes. (laughs) I'm going to make an edit, and I'm sorry to give this away, but I'm going to make an edit of Daniel Craig in this movie, and I'm going to dub him with Benoit Blanc. I'm going to keep everyone else's audio the same, and it's going to be Benoit Blanc responding to people. So look forward to that. Oh, don't tell me! I don't mean to do it! I don't even know what I'm doing here! Uh, nobody tried to kill you, you vainglorious buffoon. Well, I do say you must uh, put your eyes forward and your shoulder <laughs> and stab forward and to do that thing then. <laughs> I fucking love that character. I love those movies. I know like people like are starting to turn on them because I think it was the critical drinker that made that video about Glass Onion and about how stupid it is. I don't give a shit. I fucking love those movies. He sucks. He's great in them. That's the only thing I like about them. I don't like those movies at all, but he's, you know, Craig stands out as just being fun. Yeah, he's so entertaining, right? He's, he, when he's on screen, he just you love every everything he does and everything he says, and it's so, like, outrageous and flamboyant. But speaking of outrageous and flamboyant, Lord Belasco. Lord Belasco... <laughs> wants a young Kate Winslet to be his wife, doesn't he, Ronnie? <laughs> I'm sorry that I get to take this line, but um, this is the greatest line ever. Yep. Um, Lord Blasco is a true evil, e- evil person here, and he really just wants to make Camelot great again. You're the most exquisite flower in this garden, princess. There's one major difference between the garden flowers and myself, Lord Blasco. Mm. A rose will prick you. But I will do far worse. You cut me to the quick. All I want is what is best for my king and his kingdom. Camelot could be great. We could make it great again. We? Yes, of course. The two of us together, in wedded bliss. I will marry the man who wins the tournament. Enter it. If you have the nerve... Good day, sir. And I don't know. I feel like maybe half of us here might agree that this is a wonderful political avenue to kind of go down. But um, <laughs> he basically, we get introduced to the plot as Lord Blasco wants to draw Kate like one of his French girls and marry her so that he can become <laughs> the king of Camelot or Camelot. And that's just basically it. So he'll do stop at nothing really to make sure Kate says yes. And they talk about the word consent like a lot in this movie. And they mm-hmm. kind of bring it up here. Like, I must have your consent to marry you. I'm like, I don't think back then you really had to, but <laughs> it's good that the, the nineties, uh, the feminist <laughs> movement did encourage that. Make sure you put the word consent in there. This movie is so woke. I can't believe how woke it is. <laughs> they could never make this movie today. They have to have consent. Oh my God. Back in my day, you didn't need no consent. <laughs> I have a question though. I have a question. Is there enough room for Belasco on the door? Uh, well, he has he has no, he has like no hair, so that kind of helps in the weight distribution as well. <laughs> so maybe it kind of would work out for him to be on there with her. You are talking about Titanic? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Corey was lost there. <laughs> was for like, a minute. Dude, those purple robes are are heavy. <laughs> they're not gonna. They're not very uh, buoyant. I, I was I was thinking that there would have been a more you know um, 
involved answer. Like, Belasco would be like, fuck this broad and kick her off. Door's mine. <laughs> he would. Yeah, definitely. He's more of the Billy Zane type in that way. Yeah, no hair. I think it's funny, though, that he does say, like, I want to make Camelot great again. Like, that is fucking classic. It's really great to go back and, like, see that in old media. It's funny. I just I just hope, well, actually, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to go into Donald Trump's Wikipedia and put his favorite movie of all time is uh, Caleb King Arthur's <laughs> Court and say he was, his entire political campaign was inspired by Blasco's, <laughs> just to his this deep speech. Yes. <laughs> it's so perfect. <laughs> I absolutely love it. One thing I saw online is that Kate Winslet, the actress, is actually younger than the actress that plays her sister, Catherine. That ba- that baffled me when I read that. It's insane, right? So the girl that Calvin is trying to get with, which you think is the younger sister, is actually like five years older than Calvin. Mm-hmm. That Princess Katie, she's married to Alex Garland of Ex Machina directing fame. Oh, the Ex Machina Sunshine guy? Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah. Because she's in Sunshine. She's also a director, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's in Sunshine, too. Well, hopefully she doesn't speak like this anymore. <laughs> I hear the kitchen is serving a poached goat's tail in a brown grub sauce. Oh. Perhaps we could catch young goose. I think she is English, I think. Okay, so since you mentioned Yeah, it, but is she 16th century? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, since you mentioned it, she's a terrible little actress. And I know it's not nice to make fun of child actors, but fuck it. She can't stop looking down. She's always looking Dude. down at Calvin's Excalibur. She's just looking down at it the entire fucking movie. It's so irritating. She's looking at his crotch? Yes, she's just looking down, looking down the entire movie. I got the feeling that she was just like told to portray like a shy person. She's either, I mean, you wear a cup in baseball, right? Yeah. Oh, dude, he might have been bulging man, yeah. the whole time. She's like, look at this fucking weirdo with a boner all the time. She's either looking at that or she's looking at her marks where she's supposed to be standing. Actually, that, that might be an actual real world answer. Is just to make sure she's in the shot. Make sure you're in the shot, you little shit. <laughs> like, line up properly. Yeah. So, Pappy, Calvin doesn't just want to waste Daniel Craig's time. He also has to waste the time of the local blacksmith. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. And he comes up with a couple different inventions. He brings him a pair of roller skates and the blacksmith is just, I forget what he says exactly. He's like, by the rolling gods or something like that. (laughs) By the circle builders themselves. Yeah. Oh my God. You remember that? (laughs) What does that mean? By the circle builders themselves. It doesn't, I don't know. doesn't make any any sense. Apparently the circle builders um, (laughs) provided him with fucking polyurethane because (laughs) (laughs) he actually had real polyurethane wheels on these fucking atrocious rollerblade inventions and and ball bearings. Like, what the fuck, dude? That was the part that got me. The ball bearings. I was like, how? Doesn't the the kid tell him combine that metal with that metal and you're all set as if like that will create plastic or something mm-hmm. did not expect to see you again so soon sir the blade rollers did not meet with satisfaction no no they were a killer but this time i need something bigger bigger um 
It's got to be light as a feather, but hard as Belasco's head. I know of no such metal. You will. Melt this and that together. Stir, and then stand back. How does a boy know so much? Metal shop, eighth grade. See, you start with the frame. Yeah, that's for the bike. Yeah. That, oh, that was That was to have make an alloy for the having the strength of steel, but he probably fucked it up and put the weight of iron on there. <laughs> he got it all backwards because there was no fucking way that that bike would ever work. It was like a four four thousand pound fucking bicycle with training wheels. Dude, dude, the bike looks fucking insane. The bike is so bad. Like, there's a good reason they don't show a lot of the bike because when you see a wide shot that has him riding the bike. It's a training wheel bike, and it's pretty sad. <laughs> it, it's awful. Every day is leg day with that bike, dude. It's like they took the bottom, the or the the lid and the bottom of a barrel, and they just put a hole in the middle of it and made those the wheels. <laughs> like, it's <was> so bad. <laughs> right, it popped them right off. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, these rollerblades, they they kind of look like something I would try though. But like, you're definitely breaking an ankle, dude. Yeah. Like they're at least rolling an ankle. Yeah, seriously. So like what they did was took for all those of us that are familiar with rollerblades, you had the four wheels, right? And the piece that they all attach to. Well, he took those and somehow affixed those to some flat pieces of wood and then just put some straps on top. Remember those old Things called moon shoes. Yeah. Dude, they looked mm-hmm. like moon shoes with wheels on the bottom. Yeah. Like, dude, somebody was going to fucking die. I mean, he's a fucking medieval blacksmith. What do you What do you want, Jonathan? He made ball bearings for fuck's sake. Seriously. And and he did that in about, like, two hours. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know how Cal was able to come up with the, the legitimate blueprints that fast, too. I mean, this guy unreal. can make anything. He indeed has that reputation. Well, He's like going around on, on like cement shoes. Like they're so heavy. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> or or if he goes downhill, he's not stopping anytime soon. Yeah, they, that bike but didn't it, even have brakes, man. <laughs> but the circle gods blessed him. This whole part of the movie sucks though. And it, I hated it when I was a little kid. And I hate it now because it's like, it's about them falling in love. You know what I mean? Like these two kids, like, I don't know. Like who gives a shit? I want to see him do cool medieval crap like i i don't know just have it be like this like these two kids crushing on each other it's so lame and well it goes back to like the whole like medieval times because those are like all like romantic stories because those guys only do any of the quests just to fuck because it's like all they wanted mm-hmm. to do was to get laid so it, it goes to the whole like chivalry because like literally which is super embarrassing that they, they took chivalry like literally but yeah, it's super boring because like when I was like when I was like you know I'm a male, so ten years old watching this, I'm like boring. Do the karate right. moves, do yeah. the karate Power Ranger shit. That's the exciting part. Yeah, yeah they, well, they had to balance out the rapey Belasco parts, you yeah. know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like let's get some love and tenderness and you know, uh, uh, chivalry in here and help balance this out. I semi recently <laughs> finished House of the Dragon, and like nice, you know, comparing it to this in terms of like how <laughs> yeah how marriages happen and i know that house of the dragon is not like real world right it's not actually medieval england but it is 
similar in a lot of ways, it's, right? Yeah. It's inspired by come, it. come here. We're married now. Bend over. Right. Yeah. There's a lot <laughs> yeah. of that. Yeah. 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 Like I'm going in well, dry. We're 13 now. <laughs> yeah, it's time you have a husband. <laughs> I'm surprised Disney doesn't have more 12 year old incest. Mm. I think, uh, I think that's where the, the, uh, saying, if there's grass on the field, play ball came from. From medieval England? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Just no. say it with an accent. Yeah. Play ball. <laughs> if thine possesses grass on thine field, <laughs> then play ball. Playeth the ball. The game is on. The tourney must commence. <laughs> Oh my it. god, this is too funny now. I have, I have to cut out so much good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a serious question for you, Corey. Do you think McDonald's paid for him to say Big Mac? That I don't know why that part pisses me off so much, but it's not a fucking Big Mac. It's me not- too, so much. I don't know why I'm so mad about it. <laughs> yeah, dude, he had tomato on there. That's not a Big Mac. Oh shit. <laughs> All right. Nothing about it's a Big Mac. It's just a, it's just a hamburger. It's not even close. It is beautiful but what is it it's a meal fit for the round table double cheeseburger lettuce and tomato and a whole wheat bun what big mac mm. it's good i mean bad dude the only thing <laughs> that's big mac is that it had two pieces of meat he said they were double cheeseburgers. Oh, did he say cheese? I don't remember cheese. He did yeah, put dude. some cheese on there. Yeah, he did. He sliced okay. off that the um, big block of cheese. And then what okay. did she say about the tomatoes? That They were like the poisonous love fruits or something? The poisonous love apple or something. Which yeah. we, we just happen to have in our kitchen. We're not allowed to yeah. eat it. It's mostly decorative, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's a love apple. Mm. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of like 90s modern sentiment introduced in the movie right we talked about the rollerblades he talked about the bike he makes a big mac right these are all things he's bringing from his time to her and to i guess medieval england whatever it is but like and i was a kid i did kind of like this stuff i know pappy you said you didn't like these moments but like to me it was always like what's next like what's going to be the next thing he brings and i remember being excited about this with my friends because he had the rollerblades made and i remember like i was watching it with a friend who had seen it and i hadn't seen it and he goes to the blacksmith again and he was like do you know what the next thing he's gonna make is and calvin describes it like it has to be light as a feather but bigger than belasco's head or something like that and i was like oh shit Mm -hmm. what is it what's big but light what is he gonna do and it was a bike and we were all excited like yeah yeah, that's awesome he has a bike in medieval england I can't believe how stupid I was sometimes, you know? Like, <laughs> I, I thought he was going to make like a badass sword or something like that for him. I didn't think it was going to be a bike. <laughs> With training wheels. What's really weird, too, are all of these scenes are like, again, like three minutes long. They're all so short. Like, it's very like ADD edited. Like, each one of these little like clips is way shorter than you think it should be. It's bizarre. They ran out of money. I, I actually have some insight on that. And um, there's a lot of articles that have been posted about it. And and you can see a progression that started back in, in the early 90s. Producers or whatever, whoever you want to call them started understanding the, the, the generation of kids' attention span. 
And so you had these very set guidelines of like, okay, three minutes max, got to be a different story because the kid's going to lose interest. Three minutes, got to (laughs) change. Now on kids' YouTube videos, it's three seconds before you have to change the attention or else the kid's bored. It's like you could literally count it out. I've I've got my daughter's... uh, She's watching YouTube all the time, right? And I can pull up videos she's watching and they've got this stuff down to a science, dude. It's like literally one, two, three, change scene. One, two, change scene. One, change scene. One, two, three, change scene. And I think that the attention span from, you know, the kids of the 90s was obviously quite a bit longer probably based on everything we had, right? We didn't have all the technology, but I was thinking uh, like that domino meme of like where it gets like bigger and bigger dominoes. And it's like a king and king Arthur's court is the littlest domino and TikTok is like the biggest domino. Yes. <laughs> Just exactly. crashes into it like Calvin does the Black Knight in the beginning. Uh, yeah, this movie is only like 90 minutes. And it's like, like Pappy said, it's just like it gets you from one place to another very quickly. They, yeah. I could tell, like, they cut a lot of this movie. Like, I'm sure they, there was more, like, the scenes were longer, there was a little bit more dialogue, but they cut them fast. They even, like, intercut dialogue. It'll go, like, two people talking, and a few seconds later, it'll cut to, like, a wide shot of them talking, and then it'll go back to them, really for no reason. But these things are just, it's just the way it's edited. I wonder how quickly they were able to start and, and end all the shooting for this movie. I didn't even look into it at all, but it was probably pretty quick. A weekend. <laughs> yeah. A weekend. Yeah. I'm wondering, too, if it was maybe it wasn't like originally planned to be in theaters, maybe just to be VHS directly because it's 90 minutes or maybe like it was played to be on TV. because It's like perfectly 90 minutes. So I don't know if there's like a kind of like apprehension to put a bunch of money into a fantasy movie for kids. I don't know. I don't know. This kid had some star power at the time, so I can see that being a factor of why they put it in theaters. You know, people know this kid from Rookie of the Year. They like him. Let's keep him going. Keep him in a baseball uniform. Maybe he's our next Macaulay Culkin. Well, I don't know, dude. I mean, they put shit like Angels in the Outfield in the movie theaters, so I mean, this one definitely had a chance. (laughs) Where do you think this one stands against Angels in the Outfield? Which one do you think is better? I'd watch Angels in the Outfield. Yeah? Yeah. Same. JP? Roger? It could happen. Who needs their kid Roger? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when the Angels win the pennant, kid. (laughs) That fucking dad. (laughs) From where I'm sitting. (laughs) <laughs> uh. the biggest thing that annoyed me in this film because like you said start and stop it kind of just jumps and goes to the next scene it's almost like ashamed of itself is like Blasco <laughs> will walk into a scene he'll be like hey kid like you said fuck you I hate you <laughs> threaten to attack him and then immediately be resolved in 30 seconds and he just like a little bitch gets up and walks out of the room and that's the end of the scene <laughs> and it's always start stop start stop What do we owe this unexpected pleasure, Lord Belasco? Out of my way, teacher. Well, if you've had enough of fighting wooden men, how do you fancy taking on a real man for a change? Sir. This has nothing to do with you, teacher. Boy, you guys are really hung up on this dominant male monkey thing, aren't you? I take it your answer's no. I 
wrong, but I think I just qualified for a black belt. There's that one part where he's like, he kicks Belasco in the balls, and he's like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but I think I just earned my black belt. That's one of the <laughs> most cringe lines I've ever heard. It, I hate it so much. Dude, what about what about when freaking Belasco, Homer Simpson, Cal, dude, he's freaking choking him out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Belasco like shows up while Cal's training at one point, and just, like, he just continues to insist on beating the shit out of this kid at every turn he's like <laughs> for no reason he's like you're training huh why don't you fight a 35 year old man now how does that sound 35 yeah. dude he's at least 55 dude like <laughs> that hairline he's got his aarp card sitting right there in the front pocket of his robe <laughs> i guess that's just how they got down back then you can just beat a kid and no one steps in I challenge this child to a match to the death of combat. (laughs) It's like, what? That's why there's so few children around. Belasco has killed them all. (laughs) He's so worried and threatened about this one kid, but he's got the whole entire army, all of the the foot soldiers. They're all on his side. Why didn't he just Mm -hmm. have them do the dirty work? Like, why is this even a, a conflict? That's what you have to have, right? Like you have to have Henry Rowan Gardner unwilling, unwittingly fucking up Belasco's plans, right? Like somehow. Yeah. But yeah. It, there's no reason for him to hate him this much. Like ignore him. You got bigger fish to fry. Yeah, he's, he's not, not even, doing anything. He, the only reason that he should hate him this much is if he was trying to pull his broad. And he's not. He's no. getting the sister. No. <laughs> yeah. This will work out. This will... <laughs> It'd actually make more sense if he tried to use him to his advantage. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, this naive person that everyone's really like fixated on because he's new and has this technology i should like like you know groom him to like overthrow mm. the king and, and like and like oh get on this other side there glasgow is doing some grooming yeah glasgow <laughs> groomed his hairline back a little too far <laughs> dude his his barber freaking lined him up too good <laughs> Hey, he's got skunk hair and a ponytail. He's the ultimate evil. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> he's got that like evil guy nose too. It's like like a big hump on his nose. It's a little large. He's a slime ball. He's perfect for this, really. Yeah. yeah. Super mm-hmm. hammy. Very Jafar. But Pappy, you're not from California like the rest of us. Were mm-hmm. you as confused as Catherine about Calvin's valley speak? Right, and if it's cool, it's hot. I fear I will never understand your valley speak. (laughs) Valley speak? (laughs) Yeah, and I don't know. I think a better movie would have had, like, Calvin's using his valley speak, and then those direct lines are then being co-opted by the rest of the Camelot people. Well, King Arthur did later. But he says chill out. I don't think Calvin ever says chill out to him. Like, I'm 99% sure that's like happens off screen. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, at one point, Lady Catherine's like, oh, this burger is bad or something, which I think he said mm-hmm. to her. But I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he taught like, her the difference between bad, bad and good. It's the same joke over and over and over again. So if it's bad, it's good. Yeah. And if it's cool, it's hot. Right. And if it's hot, it's solid. 
all this dumb shit like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm afraid I'll never understand. Like, fucking lay it out simple, dude. Cool means good. Right. It just means good. <laughs> Why are you making this fucking complicated, you fucking twit? Because he's from California and we don't make anything easy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not complicated actually god damn it yeah like you, you don't you don't think that cal would have at some point been like you know what they don't understand what i'm saying maybe i should right. just use words that they speak like the normal word for mm -hmm. you know good or wow this tastes great or you know something like that <laughs> he doesn't move an inch in their direction at all these rollerblades are fire yeah Oh, get them off my feet then. <laughs> Rollerblades are dope <laughs> AF. <laughs> That's what kind of frustrates me about his character, though, is because he's like, oh, he's shy at some points, but then he immediately gets into Camelot and he has no problem just like sassing all these adults that will want to murder him like immediately. And mm. he just acclimates to it. He's like, eh, no big deal. I, he says, I miss my parents once and then doesn't talk about it like ever again. Like sure, he says, I need to go back to my hometown, but it's like not really the focus of his like objective in this movie at all. He wants right. to get laid, which makes sense for being a teenage kid. But how long do you guys think he stayed in in Camelot? A week. Good that's week, kind of, yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking too. Blacksmiths whipping out stuff in like four hours, so I think it's a week. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no, I'm picking up what you're putting down there, Ronnie, because like we should have seen Calvin grow in confidence for some reason right and i think mm -hmm. that's supposed to be daniel craig's character and calvin's always like oh you're the best teacher i've ever had we never actually see that every time daniel craig tries to coach him up calvin just sucks yeah, you he, you guys are totally mm -hmm. missing the point on this movie man like i'm way <laughs> in the wrong the wrong end of the spectrum here compared to you guys like this is a a, a rise to the occasion type role right like he shows mm. up he's some medieval god that appeared out of the sky and took out the black knight now he's got this own like personification where he's like he's the fucking man dude and he can be whatever he wants to be so he's now got this this like confident presence about him like yeah he's still kind of growing into it and he ends up getting all the way there by the end of the movie but i thought the progression of his confidence and step up to the role that he was fulfilling was like it was very obvious um so I'm, I'm surprised that that all of us are on opposite ends of that i feel like well it's kind of like what pappy was saying though like they're, they're breakneck speed through this movie because they're embarrassed of what they made and i <laughs> I feel like it would have been way better if, like, they actually revered him. Like, I get that they put him, like, next to Arthur's daughter, and they're kind of revering him like a god. But, but like, like Velasco walks up and says, hey, child, move. And he just does. Like, they don't really respect him or at least see him as a god, though. But I, I, I do see your point. Like, okay, he's rising to the occasion. But it's also happenstance, too. He's not actually intelligent. He's just using things that he has. So he's like a fraud. So... That also never plays into the plot either. You can't say that he's not intelligent if he's using the tools that he has available. I mean, that's pretty fucking intelligent. Is it? Or is it just like I, I just know how to use a, a Walkman by pressing Dude, play? He's not intelligent. He super glues his hand to a lance and his ass to a horse <laughs> seat. That is so stupid. He uses his technology to his own folly. 
So That's he can steal insane. a kiss Sandlot style. Okay, that part was fucking dumb. But... <laughs> <laughs> we all can agree that scene is terrible. <laughs> So things are going pretty well for Calvin here in uh, Camelot. You know, he's he's getting in really good with Katie, Princess Catherine. They go on a picnic. They have a nice little ride. They end up kissing. And all seems right with the world. But then Pappy, Catherine, is kidnapped by Belasco. I have no idea, like, what Belasco's, I mean, like, actual plan is here. Because, I mean, to fast forward a little bit, he's actually like a good jouster, right? So he's perfectly capable of winning the tournament. But his plan is to kidnap Princess Katie, tell King Arthur that she's dead. So I don't know, like, what how that's going to work out. And then use that leverage to get Kate Winslet to marry him. Like, what's his plan after Kate Winslet agrees? Like, is he actually going to kill Katie? Is he going to be like, oh, my bad, Arthur. She's not dead. Like... I, I really don't get the logic behind this plan. It's all about consent. <laughs> yeah. And leverage, because he watched Battlefield Earth. What have you done with my sister? She's safe. For now. But I'm getting tired of waiting for you to accept my offer. You are mad. You cannot force me to marry you. Well, if you do not consent... Then Princess Catherine will die. Man, we're getting leverage over a cyclone. That'll be the day. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I do like the stunt, though, when Belasco goes to kill Calvin, I guess, again, for, for no apparent reason. I think Henry Ro- Rowan Gardner, like actually jumps on that night dude who's coming in to get him. Like, I, I don't know if you guys remember that part, but He's on the bed, and it seems like a pretty real shot. Like, he fully throws his body onto a, another actor and runs away. It's, it doesn't feel like it belongs to this movie, but it's, I don't know. Well, it's weird, too, because he's practicing karate at some point, so it'd make more sense for him to use that later mm-hmm. in the film. But he uses, like, wrestling moves, and then reverse it. Have him do wrestling moves on, like, a pillow or something when, right. that, when Katie walks in seeing it. So it's kind of, like, easy missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure... Punches and karate kicks would not work on somebody in a suit of armor, though. Like, you're going to fuck your shit up doing that. (laughs) So you've got to resort to those wrestling moves and nut punches. The the jump tackle that he does. Yeah, Yeah. he does, I think, do some of his own stunts because you can see his face in a few other places as well. But the one thing about when he tackles that night and he escapes the room, he just runs out. But in the next scene, he has his bag. And that's the attention to detail that this movie does not give a fuck about. <laughs> right? They just assume the audience is going to be like, okay, whatever. Like he, Because he's suddenly carrying his backpack, which he did not grab when he was exiting the room. But you know what? It's for dumbass little 90s kids. Mm-hmm. And 30-year-old adults, apparently. <laughs> and us. <laughs> <laughs> so Calvin has to go like convince King Arthur that Belasco is actually bad, right, Jonathan? Yeah, it was such a, like, weird scene, man. Like, so King Arthur is asleep in bed with his crown on his gut, 
like who sleeps with a crown on your gut? You know, that was just awkward. But then, so Cal has to come in and wake him up to let him know what the hell is going on. And there's just this really weird, awkward scene where King Arthur is just like senile or stuck in some sort of brain trauma in (laughs) concussion injury or something. Like, I don't know, man. Like it was just so weird. And he started talking about the interlopers and I'm going to fucking murder people. It was just like this inept old fool, right? That's like barely functional. Yeah, like like he was having flashbacks from the war. Like, I don't know, man. It, it was just, it was a really cringy scene, and I don't think it warranted even being in this movie for any reason. The senior moment. Calvin gives him the truth lace, where like, Kate Winslet says, give this to the king. He'll know you're not lying. And <laughs> for, I have, like, what the fuck is that even supposed to be? Yeah, what, what the hell is a truth lace? I thought that was her underwear or something. <laughs> Others are garter, you know. Give, give my dad my panties and he'll know that it's really me. <laughs> he takes a whiff. He knows my smell. <laughs> what are you doing, dude? S- sniffing chick's panties. Your most important trusted advisor is undermining you. And he's like, oh, you have my daughter's panties. It can't be a lie. <laughs> is this Katie's or is it? <laughs> Wait, I thought I thought Belasco was supposed to have your panties. <laughs> <laughs> Here's something that confuses me about the scene is I know it's a kid's movie, but Velasco first goes to Calvin to arrest him and not to the king because he should have the king on his side before he goes to arrest this this tween because then he gives Calvin a chance to explain himself. Yeah. The king has no idea his daughter is missing. I feel like you should probably tell him first because he has all the authority. Fortunately for the plot, it doesn't play out that way. (laughs) Uh, Of course not. Which is fine. That, that's a kid's movie thing. It's not that big of a deal, but whatever. But Belasco is head of security anyways, right? Shouldn't he have the authority to make those decisions? I don't know. Just to chop somebody's head off? <laughs> oh, no, for sure. He could probably do whatever he wants to. But if, if he knows that the if Malcolm Jamal Warner here and or John, John, Jonathan Taylor Thomas or whatever his name is, if like he and the king are buddies, you'd probably want to sever that friendship first. No, you guys, you guys are all wrong. Belasco's in a position of weakness he doesn't have the panties of truth he can't convince the king of anything until he has those it's, a, it's like a magical item you get in a video game right? yeah. you have to get that first to complete the quest it'd be like in chrono yeah. trigger excalibur paintings so calvin and arthur they have to make their way to what i assume is belasco's castle the, the trek they make here is something that's very unclear to me, like where they're going and how they get there. Because I had always thought they went, they left the castle and then they went right back into the same castle. Same. <laughs> but I don't, I, you know, I don't really know. I, th- I guess they're going to a different castle, Belasco's maybe. I'm not really sure. But they have to basically like slapstick their way through a bunch of goons, right? They have to like fight them, but it's a lot of like accidentally stepping on someone's foot and they start like jumping up and down and they accidentally knock something on him. It's a 90s kids movie. It's like fucking Mr. Magoo. He's He looks like yeah. he's blind and he's just swinging around the stick and it's all Looney Tunes. I, I get it's a kids movie, but it would be way cooler, especially if you're like a 10, 12 year old. Like, oh, he, they outsmart and, they, and, and like Arthur is using his old, like his daughter's in danger. So like his, his reflexes are coming back because he's trying to save his daughter. Instead, so he's just like, whoop. Zoinks, it's like a joke. We're in Home Alone era. They need to set traps. 
Why did they not set traps using his 90s technology? You know? Mm. Would have been perfect. And that's like my biggest criticism is... Because I'm like you, Corey. I remembered... Like, I watched this movie tons as a kid. I, remember, I thought there was more 90s traps and cool technology. And watching, I'm like, this is boring. Give me more things. Give me parachute pants. Give me something else cool. Like, he jumps from the castle in parachute pants. Or yes. He, or he uses his pogs or his marbles to trip some kids. Or <laughs> he throws he a the, slammer at Belasco's head. The metal <laughs> one. The Stretch Armstrong helps him. <laughs> like uh, slide down something because it's elastic and it bends. I don't know. He uses a skip it to trip people. Why <laughs> yeah. didn't he have a talk boy or a yak back? <laughs> yeah, he has a yak back. He says, "Credit card, you got it." <laughs> <laughs> Some fucking deep cuts. What is this Tamagotchi creature you're nurturing so well? <laughs> I don't know. like. What is dumb conceit of the movie though? Right? Because you're gonna take like the greatest hero of medieval lore, King Arthur. And make him a feeble old man who can, like, like you said, Ronnie, like, and he's barely able to hold the staff as he's swinging it around. Like, it's just a dumb idea. The entire time I'm watching this movie, I'm like, I know it's not fair. It's not even fair at all. But I'm, I keep thinking, like, I want to watch Lord of the Rings because, like, I keep like connecting yeah. these scenes where, like, um, Theoden gets his sword and goes, "Oh, when you feel like a king again, once you grip." your old sword. I'm like, oh, how awesome that scene is. And then you have this scene, derp, 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 derp. It's like, I'm swinging <laughs> it around. I'm like, how lame. I know mm. they're not in the same kind of movies. Like, curve your enthusiasm music is playing and they're doing dumb <laughs> shit. <laughs> exactly. And here comes JB Smoove. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude, speaking of that, dude, Belasco is the only person of color in this entire movie. Yeah. And he's a scheming evil person. And he's a bad guy. Right. No. There is one black kid at the very end at the baseball huddle. I noticed that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like in. With lines? The main. Yes. Yeah. No, yes. I'm, I'm joking. Obviously, he's the only person of any ethnicity. And he's like, oh, he's the bad guy. Mm. That's all right. Like, yeah. they didn't even have a cleaning person. And. Of color or anything. <laughs> yeah. Not a literal black knight. <laughs> the one scene where the, the lady threw out her washing water and ended up getting on King Arthur, I totally thought he was gonna be like, You wench. Yeah. <laughs> that would have that would have like made that scene so much better if somebody actually mm. called someone a wench. Out among my own people. Watch whom you bathe, washerwoman. Washerwoman, eh? And who do you think you are? The bloody king of England? As a matter of fact, I am your king. And I'm Cleo Bleeding Patra. If I was a man, I would call thee out. If you were a man, I'd throw more than a bath over you. Let's go. Stop. Also, you know, in medieval times, that's actually like a piss bucket, right? Like, oh, no for way. sure. 100%. I was thinking the exact same thing, too. You're lucky it was bath water. I'm like, it's not much better because it was definitely piss. Yeah, they, they pissed sure. in the bathtub. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a certain amount of water. <laughs> hey, that's some good disinfectant because they're used to just grime and like caked like mud on them. I think one of the funniest scenes in the movie that's unintentionally funny is when Calvin is like, all right, we got to get to wherever we're going with the king. And the king's like, oh, we don't have enough time. How are we going to make it? And the kid's like, I got away. 
and they're riding that stupid fucking bike okay, again. Okay, okay. <laughs> Listen, they had to sne- <laughs> they had to sneak out of Camelot like a walled city. Like, how the fuck did they get the bike out like <laughs> without being caught? I I thought from your tone. Jonathan, you're going to defend this scene. I was like, Jesus Christ. There oh, we go. Hell no, dude. <laughs> Two dudes on a bike? No way, dude. No way. Fucking Arthur's <laughs> fat ass on the handlebars. Dude, right? Yeah. Uh, he, why didn't he go to the blacksmith and have him put pegs on it or yeah. something? You know? Hop on the pegs. <laughs> that would have been 90s. Bro. <laughs> that would have been way funnier, though, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, so, <laughs> instead of doing the whole ET bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that fucking piece of shit bike just straight snapped right in half. <laughs> it did. And I'm kind of glad for that. Like, they didn't make it out to be, like, this miraculous thing. I hope wherever they filmed it, like, they left the bike there and, like, you know, the grass grew up all around it. And, like, 20 years <laughs> later, somebody found it. Like, oh, I found this medieval bicycle. <laughs> Tony Hawk found it. The circle builders themselves. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Calvin has more future tech, right? He has a Swiss army knife. They make it to Katie. They get her out of the castle. But they got to, like, show down with, like, more goons of Belasco's, like, more knights, right? So we got the heroes versus more, like, bad knights. And this is where Excalibur gets put in the hands of Arthur once again. So, like, Excalibur and Arthur are reunited. It's supposed to be, like, a big moment. You know, you were kind of comparing it to, like, Theoden, Ronnie. But, you know, it's it's pretty pathetic because after he holds the sword and gives you that, like, grand orchestral score, you see that this old man can barely lift this fucking thing. Yeah. The choreography is fucking pathetic. They have to cut away from it so many times because this dude cannot carry the sword, let alone wield it. That is like Lord of the Rings. You cannot wield it. <laughs> Instead of like He-Man's like, eh, man. And it's just like embarrassing. And like the Power Rangers choreography comes up and it's like, yeah, walk, walk. Oh, this is even bad for Power Rangers 90s standards. Oh, it's just, dude, this movie came out the same year as Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie. Don't even compare the choreography of this movie to that movie. It doesn't even, there's like no comparison whatsoever. Hey, I even said it, it's 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 like an even lower budget Power Rangers dance corrupt. I fully admit that. <laughs> Let alone the rollerbladers scene, right? Because there's you get a good rollerblade scene in that movie and this movie too. And I don't remember that scene. I remember them jumping out of an airplane to uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers covering Stevie Wonder. That's the only thing I remember from that movie. That and Ivan News. Oh, okay. Well, immediately after that scene in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie, all the Rangers get together. And they just go on like this rollerblading excursion. So they do like two big stunts back to back in that movie. They jump out of a plane and then they go like rollerblading through construction sites. Were they in plain clothes <laughs> or in like uniform? Like like with their regular clothes, but of course they're wearing their colors, you know, because yeah. they always wear the color that they are. Right. Uh, I got to rewatch that movie. I, uh, in our other podcast, we covered uh, Turbo because that was more readily available, but I gotta rewatch Money Morphin. Because of Diva Tox's titties. You can admit it. Yeah. That's the reason hey. everyone likes Turbo. Diva Tox, baby. <laughs> I like the Ewok. <laughs> that fucking gross looking Ewok. <laughs> There's no articulation. Uh, not Landor. What the fuck's his name? <laughs> I don't remember. He's weird, though. He's creepy. He's a creepy little bastard. Yeah, he just groans the entire movie. It's awful. <laughs> 
During that skirmish, I'm 100% sure that they wanted the chandelier to fall, and that was probably in the original script, but they ran out of time or money or whatever, and like, <laughs> let's just do a dumb joke where, ah, it usually works in the movies. I, That line annoys me so much to no end. I hate when movies do that kind of shit. Like, oh, it's, it happens this way in the movies. It is a movie. Make it happen. Make it make it cool. Mm-hmm. I hate it. This happens in good movies. <laughs> yeah, right. Because it could be the same exact uh, expression. Yeah, it works like it did in the movies. Well, I thought it works in the movies. I'm like, mm. ah, you're, you're, you're boring. Make it for your kids. You want to explode and action. Make it fun. Mm-hmm. Gee, this always works in the movies. Yeah. Yeah, that chandelier thing was in the trailer, too. So, like, they really thought that was good. Like, that was one of those things. <laughs> like, <laughs> one of those things are like, oh, this is, we got to showcase this. This is going to get the kids in. This isn't the uh, the Camelot you think, you know? Okay, so I'm guessing you rewatched the trailer for this. I'm guessing you didn't remember it. No, I do remember it. <laughs> oh, shit, really? That's impressive. Yeah. Corey remembers trailers better than he remembers movies. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Do they really just push like the the nineties gadgets and the comedy? In yeah, the oh yeah, that's what's what it all was. It's this okay. kid from nineties Reseda Valley kid, he shows up. He's got rollerblades. You know, he does Valley speak. He does Combat Rock. Combat Rock was in the trailer, and then you know how Belasco reacts to it, where he's like fidgeting all around. They make it look like he's dancing to it in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing it it wasn't like the. The deep, more intense voice is more like the, wow, going back into the 90s, taking it to the medieval times. But so now was, he's on a mission he'll never forget. There we go. I do it. There's one or the other. <laughs> History's getting a new hero, and he's giving everyone the royal treatment. <laughs> a kid in King Arthur's court. Just put it in your mouth and chill. Why did they call this bad dog bubblegum? I have no idea, your highness. I might hire Shane to, we can make our own trailer. He could do the voiceover. Oh, yep. He'd be, uh, he'd do justice for sure. But Jonathan, you know, they're having this little skirmish with the guards, and there's only one guard left. And he takes Katie hostage <laughs> and he takes her to the roof of the castle and he dangles her over the edge. And he says, Calvin and Arthur, you take one step and I toss her off. Well, let me tell you about tossing off and who gets tossed I've off. Never tossed off. <laughs> you never tossed off? I've never tossed you off. You swear you never tossed off? <laughs> what a fun oh. setup for you two. <laughs> ruined our audio. Right, you know, we blew it out. <laughs> So th- this is just an absurd scene where the guard has Katie. They're in one of those old medieval ledge windows that has no protection. Like you'd think somewhere, sometime, somebody would probably put like, you know, a steel bar or a piece of wood or something in all these windows in the castle. But no, this conveniently was one that they could actually stand fully up in into the ledge. They're hanging off. He's got a knife to her throat, maybe. And fucking Cal pulls his CD player out and decides that he's going to use the laser that reads the disc to (laughs) blind this guy. The great equalizer. 
The dude. Great Equalizer. What, you don't like The Great Equalizer, Jonathan? Dude, this is probably one of the dumbest fucking things in this movie. And there's a lot of dumb shit in this movie. <laughs> like, This that, might be the worst offender. That might be the worst. And ironically, I thought it was the best when I was a kid. I thought it was so cool. Oh, I'm afraid rock and roll will not work this time. You're wrong. It is the great equalizer. Is it like a pun, like the equalizer? Is it like a music pun he's making, or is there something else I'm missing here? There was probably a built-in audio equalizer on the disc man. Yeah. yeah. There's like a, you know, the, the bass boost button, and then like, <laughs> oh, this is for rock music, this is for pop music, this is for jazz music, and you know, yeah. those little settings. So it's just a stupid fucking joke, man. So here's the thing when he pulls up the CD player. When I was a kid, I thought that might be some like early version of a laser pointer. Where, like, instead of it being, like, a narrow cylinder type thing that you have on your keychain or whatever, that they used to be, like, in a thing that looks like a CD player. But, you know, it's not that, obviously. It really is his CD player. Right. So he holds it up. The color palette of the shot totally changes to accommodate this effect they're doing. It was like some Ghostbusters shit. Right. Way worse. Way worse than Ghostbusters shit. Way worse. Well, yes, obviously. (laughs) He pulls it up and he points it in this guy's eye and it's just like a beam effect. It's like this like hard beam that you can you can see each endpoint of. Like imagine if that's how CD players worked. Like if you opened it, there was a laser that would shoot you in the eye and blind you. Like that wouldn't that couldn't be possible. Like people would be going blind every time they put it in a CD. They would be recalled. Yeah. <laughs> So many well, kids would lose their eyes, and then the, like, like, like the pets would lose their eyes. It's a, a terrible idea. They'd have a, a fuck around and find out label on there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't look yeah. at this laser, or you're going to fucking die. <laughs> I guess like they had with laser pointers, right? It's like they just had a label. Like, Don't put this shit in your eyes. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't take this thing you're obviously going to put in someone's eye and do it. <laughs> I think at least once everybody who's ever had a laser pointer as a kid looked into that Looked shit. directly into it. Yeah. I have. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Shined it at a plane. Probably why I wear glasses today. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I can't drive at night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the great equalizer thing, probably the worst of his gadgets, but it is the last of his 90s tech. And, you know. As a kid, I thought it was super cool, but it just doesn't work. Like, what it's supposed to be, like you said, Jonathan, is the little lights inside of a CD player, which is almost imperceptible, right? Like, I can barely remember seeing a light in there sometimes. Yeah, it it, it was more of it's such a mediocre, small, tiny laser used to reflect off of the disc. There's no... There's no way this was ever going to happen. But this fucking guy just decides that, oh, my my... I got hurt with a little bit of light, so I'm gonna jump off the ledge now into the, yeah. the moat before down below that probably has crocodiles in it or something. Him falling too, that effect of him falling is is absurd. <laughs> it's that like old school Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three falling effect, right? Yeah. Where they have like someone sitting on a green or blue screen like plank. Yeah. And it's just like them like flailing their arms and then yeah. so they have the camera like zoom out of it. So it looks like he's like smaller. Right. It's real bad. Yeah. And and why don't you just take the princess with you? Like, <laughs> screw her. Like, you're coming with me. 
You were already holding her hostage. She made her way out of there somehow real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, super cringy scene. Like th- there could have been a way better, way cooler battle. Like that would have been a cool, a cool scene to see Arthur finally step up and go get his daughter back, you know? Exactly. And you already mentioned it, but like just terrible CGI. And we didn't talk about it in the very beginning when um, Michael Jai White is falling through like the the middle of the earth and it's just like this silly <laughs> spawn yes they're they're blowing his hair like ah and then uh, and since uh, michael ian black is a terrible actor he can't even like pretend to like fall like with any convictions like ah. these are good references these are solid <laughs> i'm saving them <laughs> So, Pappy, they make their way back to Camelot. Calvin is knighted mm-hmm. along the way. Belasco's plan is foiled. But we still have the big tournament, don't we? Yeah, the big tournament with, like, ten extras total. that They just keep shuffling around to make it look like more people. I, Camelot is a small place. The, the politics of Camelot are so insanely fucked. Like, yeah. the king is still willing to go through. All right, we're just going to leave it up to chance on who's going to inherit... England and rule England based on who wins this this jousting tournament even though it's already been established that he could just pick Belasco so by that own same logic he could just let Sarah marry for love but I feel like this is the part like where all the kids with Fisher Price castles you know who grew up with those were getting pumped right this is Dude, those were <laughs> awesome Dude, I love that fucking shit that was my favorite toy when I was a kid of all time the little like trap door we could drop down the rock and it would come out with a little oh, alligator hell yes dude and, and fuck the knights that came with it we never used those we always used our own toys exactly mm-hmm. my power rangers would always be storming the castle or fighting like um a skeletor and shit oh <laughs> yes but i don't it's it's a pretty extended jousting scene and i say extended like relative to the rest of this movie right like it's <laughs> it's actually got a couple rounds of jousting I, I don't know. Like I, I think I would be a shit jouster, to be honest. It seems like a fucking terrible sport, terrifying. I don't I don't like horses, and I, I don't know. Just you're just trying to knock a person off. Those are the rules. But apparently, there's also like a jousting shot clock where you can like disappear for a little bit, and that's what <laughs> happens with Daniel Craig. Like Belasco's like, well, I'll allow him the allowed time, and after that, I'm declared the winner. It's like, what is the time? Like, how are you guys keeping track of this time? It makes, I don't know, it makes no sense. From my numerous viewings of A Knight's Tale, isn't there like a point system too? I have no idea. Oh, I was going to ask you, is this better than A Knight's Tale, Ronnie? Oh no! I'll. I don't like a Knight's Tale. I I know like everyone likes that movie, and I get I get why people like it. I can't stand it, but I'll watch that movie even though it's two and a half hours long, way more times than this thing ever again. <laughs> That's an extra hour though. I I would be glad to watch Knight's Tale over this. Oh yeah, a hundred mm-hmm. times. Heath Ledger is likable, and at least it's exciting, and I can just like, eh, I guess I like Queen music too. Jonathan, what do you think of Belasco's jousting outfit? It's pretty fucking, pretty flamboyant, don't you think? Yeah, it's pretty flamboyant. Extra. I mean, yeah, it's extra as fuck. <laughs> 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 you know, th- this was probably the most well done 
part of the whole movie. The, the, the last 15 minutes of this movie, the the acting was the best, the scenery was the best, the the action, the the storyline of this, the hierarchy of it, like it was probably to me the best part of the movie. And and I hadn't seen this movie in so long that I just kind of like I try not to like really remember watching these movies as kids when I'm watching it again now as an adult. So that way it's kind of a little bit of a surprise. Watch it with fresh eyes. Yeah, definitely. So I'm not going to say that like I really enjoyed this, but it was at least more refreshing to watch than most of the rest of the movie. The jousting was kind of cool, though. That that one scene that Pappy was talking about earlier, which was the allotted time thing, and and he was fucking glued, super glued to his seat, and you know whatever. He never fell off the horse. He never fell off the horse. So he's still in. I mean, dude, what a what a stupid technicality. Like every person that right. got hit by by the joust was like hauled off in their little makeshift ambulance cart. Like, yeah. dude, those yeah. motherfuckers were dead, dude. They were so <laughs> dead. Like, this guy, like, you could see he had some clear concussion issues. Like, he probably had some collapsed lungs and yeah. broken ribs and stuff, dude. Like, he was fucked up. <laughs> like, the, why would the princess even ever want to marry this guy afterwards? <laughs> How nerve-wracking would it be working on this set? Because, like, they cut corners on everything, and I agree <laughs> yeah. with you. I agree with you, Jonathan, that like this is the most exciting, best choreographed kind of part of the movie. But I'd be so fucking nervous, like even though it's a Disney production, I'd be like uh, the all this stuff going on. Like I don't want to get on that fucking horse and be a stunt man in this movie. Yeah, at hell not, nah, man. Nah, people <laughs> that do the jousting stunts, man. Like those guys are definitely brave for sure. Because I mean. This was designed to just fuck people up. Dude, a quarter inch off and you're not breathing ever again. Mm-hmm. I would say one of the things you can see, like how the weapons, the jousts and stuff are are set up to just kind of break and explode because they break so easy. Compared, if we were talking about Knight's Tale, right? Like that, that mm-hmm. when they do the jousting, it's a little more involved. Things are a little more exploding you know, this one, you can see where all the breaks and the, the setups are. So it, it was kind of cheesy, but it's still cool, especially as a kid. But Belasco being a good jouster makes no fucking sense for Thank his character, you. right? Like, he's like a bureaucrat. Like, what? He's not in their training every day. And not only is he a jouster, he's the best jouster. Like, Daniel Craig's team has to cheat in order to win. Like, he beats Daniel Craig straight up. Well, he has the you- cheating uh, gem on his helmet. Yeah, <laughs> you don't you don't think that the head of security has ever had prior training? It's been a while. <sighs> but, I mean, but, maybe. But, but to be on a uh, team, Pappy here, the entire movie, uh, Blasco is using henchmen to get his job done. If he was like right. this adept at like physicality, he'd be like just go over there and stab the shit out of that child and move on. Like move end the movie. Yeah, stupid stories, stupid plots. <laughs> so Daniel Craig does not beat Belasco because he is blinded by Belasco's uh, helmet gem. <laughs> I was going to say his bald head. <laughs> yeah, he could have used that too. But, you know, so of course we got to get Henry Roland Gardner to be involved. He pretends to be 
Daniel Craig's character, whose name is Kane, by the way, Jonathan. Did you pick up on that? He's the Undertaker's brother? Yeah. yeah yep. Very nice, right? <laughs> I watched that uh, the uh, biography of him last weekend. Nice. Yeah. Sick. Pappy, what'd you think about Calvin on the horse? So Calvin now has confidence, I guess. He doesn't need super glue, even though his helmet gets chopped off. So I guess he's like looking through the pieces of, of chainmail. He's able to beat Belasco. So I guess he's a good jouster. Like maybe that armor kept him from getting blinded. But I mean, I don't know. Like Calvin's come full circle here. He's ready to crush a baseball <laughs> now. He's, he's found his own athletically. I do think, though, when, like, Belasco is, like, being chased around by the Black Knight and the Black Knight shows up and the tent just kind of folds in on him, that's so stupid. Like, yeah. it's so dumb looking. Belasco proceeds to uh, murder Calvin unchallenged yet again, like, right in the field of the joust. No one's going to do anything, but fortunately the Black Knight does show up to save the day. Jonathan, did the uh, did the twist of who the Black Knight really is blow your fucking mind? Blew my fucking mind. <laughs> it's a girl. Listen, I'm not your knight in shining armor. He is. It seems I owe thee more than one debt of gratitude tonight. Reveal thyself, so that we may all know thee. You know, it's one of those, you just didn't see it coming. Like, come on. It, it, was, it was a little obvious. Yeah. As an adult, it was obvious. <laughs> was it obvious because she wasn't sitting there anymore next to her, <laughs> her <Right>. dad? <laughs> no one <laughs> noticed it? She's well, like, yeah. I'll be right back. Yeah. Yeah. BRB. <laughs> yeah. Every, I mean, every time every other character was involved and she was not around, you know, it just, it just kind of adds up after a while. But um, as a nine-year-old. I mean, it was just like, oh, my God, it was her the whole time. But, you know, they, they really kind of like mess with you because it's kind of deceiving because the suit of armor makes somebody look so much bigger than they actually are. So you you think that it's some mystery man, some, you know, Robin Hood robbed from the rich and give to the poor the whole time. I am no man. You gaze upon a woman. <laughs> So it turns out it was just the rich robbing from her own dad because <laughs> yeah. he was a fuck off. Yeah, none of that makes any sense. I think you already said that, Happy, but like the Black Knight's motivation is so unclear of like why this is involved. It's confusing. And what's even weirder too is like, so I'm a book nerd. So in like the, the stories, Arthur, King Arthur is the Black Knight. He dresses up as the Black Knight to like fight off people and tend to not be the king so that everyone gives him like a a fair chance in tournaments and in skirmishes. So it's kind of, I guess it, it kind of references that because it's his daughter is the Black Knight. So. Well, they make King Arthur such a feeble old man that after mm -hmm. the tournament, he's going to be like, all right, Calvin, now you marry Sarah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. dude, no. <laughs> like, what? Have you been paying attention this whole movie? He doesn't <laughs> want to marry Sarah. Thou hast won the tournament tonight. Sarah's hand is thine. Sarah? But I hardly know her. It is not a question of familiarity. It is a question of victory. Isn't it? No, father, it is not. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> the rules don't apply except when I say they apply. Right. <laughs> what if he just did though? And he's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> she's banging, dude. She's in Titanic. She's gonna make tons of money. I mean, she's like 19, he's like 14. He'd probably be very happy about that. <laughs> this could well, work. Catherine's 20, so <laughs> Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the knife that um Belasco was trying to use on Calvin? Like I mean, a spoon would have been sharper than that thing. Like, <laughs> you know, like those plastic knives that have like uh, little balls on the end of them. Yeah, right? like, like say you, you got, got like a yeah, like you got a medieval, you know, um, armor and knife set as a kid from like the early nineties. Like they didn't have a sharp point on it, but it, they had I a hated the one with the ball, ball dude. Yeah, oh yeah. my god, <laughs> that's what that knife looked like. It's looked like somebody went and got that from Kmart real quick and like, fuck, we need a knife. <laughs> Ronnie, after all things are made right in Camelot, Calvin goes to visit Merlin with Arthur and Catherine and gets sent back home, doesn't he? Yeah, he jumps into um, Merlin's mouth and then gets sent back either in time or through separate dimensions. I don't know. He's Doc Brown, so they're going back to the future, I suppose. And then... um, it goes, as you said earlier, it goes full circle as a character because he has to once again face his greatest fear, which is dealing with a high school pitcher throwing a ball at him. <laughs> so he gets to the plate. He remembers the three rules because it goes full circle once again. And then he, like the babe, just launches it out of the park. And then they all cheer and we're all proud of him because he never learned how to use a sword, but he learned how to use a sword. So, yeah. It, there's no way this kid hit that 450 foot bomb, dude. Like, <laughs> dude, that thing never even dropped. Like, go all the way to the end credits, and that no, baseball it, is still flying. It's still flying to this day. It's still yeah. ascending as he's crossing home plate. It's on its way up. It's it's so far that it goes back to Merlin. Remember the ending? Merlin gets the ball and goes, "I taught him everything he knows." The, the most insane part about this fucking ending, though, is that now Catherine and King Arthur are there in this time and i have no idea like what that's even supposed to mean like what what does the movie <laughs> want us to fucking think like that it's literally them they have all their same memories she's in love with calvin so i'm not I, i'm never proud of defending the movie we talk about because it's always trash but here's my defense is since kate winslet aka rose aka whatever her name is is marrying james bond they now have an heir to the throne so the old man's like i want to go learn about rock music and swiss army knives and whittle for the rest of my life <laughs> he's over there whittling a stick just and whittling and he's got a wizard in a well so might as well i guess he can go back yeah it is insane pappy so king arthur's suddenly there she's suddenly there but i watched this movie twice like a fucking idiot and she was there <laughs> in the first scene too briefly mm-hmm. which is weird yeah, you can see her. She's on second base, right? Like, she's yeah. there already. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. They filmed it all at once. Okay. okay, but what's really insane is that she's now the catcher for his own team. She wasn't even wearing the other team's colors. Like, so why why was she even standing where she was? Like, it's treason. He, she w- he would have seen her in the dugout because they were the hitting team all in the dugout. It's Merlin magic. And she's fully geared up. 
She should have at least been the catcher for the other team, had a green jersey on. And just like say it out loud, like what is the reality then? So then King Arthur gets in his fucking like Chevy and drives home to his house. Like what? He looks like a Ford guy, <laughs> single cab F one fifty guy. Instead of being the wealthiest king in the realm, I'm gonna be a poor like nineties grandpa. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, but like if you had a wizard that would allow you to time travel and do all that kind of shit, you're telling me you wouldn't do that, especially for your daughter who's in love with this kid now. To be honest, if I was Calvin, I would have stayed in this time. What is he going back to? What what life does he have there? We don't know. He said once that he missed his family. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if he stayed back then with King Arthur, what's coming next? The freaking the plague, dude? Like, I'm yeah. out, bro. <laughs> Polio? <laughs> Fuck that. By the way, dude. you guys should leave with Merlin right now because shit's about to get real. My first decree, we got to kill all these fucking rats everywhere <laughs> now. Seriously. Yesterday. Yeah, Cal is sent back to Reseda. He goes up to bat. He hits a home run, signifying the completion of his character arc. And we get our happy ending. Until the sequel. <laughs> Who is it happy for? It was <laughs> definitely not me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy it was over. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go into final thoughts before we go into ratings. Ronnie, do you have any final thoughts? So I was trying to do something unique and I like to read and any excuse to read books is interesting to me. So I started reading the book that this is very loosely based upon the Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's court by uh, Mark Twain. I didn't mm-hmm. get very far because it's a much longer book and loftier than I was anticipating, which is a pretty great book, but it, the, there's like nothing in common besides person time travels <laughs> by accident. Is it a kid? No, it is no. not. It's a, um, so a waste of potential we like to write very serious synopsises so i wrote one for that book so everyone knows um an arrogant prick from the 19th century wakes up in the 6th century and basically tries to become god and disrupts the monarchy society religion the industrial revolution and kickstarts the greatest violation of the butterfly effect and the prime directive since luke skywalker and return of the jedi and that's the only kind of fun thing i thought about was like how all these movies, even Star Wars, so these people put a primitive worlds and totally fuck up everything by introducing their technology and their points of view and stuff. Yeah, that's a real Captain Janeway move. I love it. <laughs> She's like, fuck it. We have to survive in this terrible world. It's just to go ruin all these native people. <laughs> I kind of want to talk about what you're talking about. So we talked about there's a sequel to this movie, which is the same actor and the same character. So the actor that plays Calvin is Thomas Ian Nicholas. He's in A Kid in Aladdin's Palace. But around this time, there were a lot of these movies. There was a movie called A Night in Camelot, starring Whoopi Goldberg. Same exact premise, she travels back. There was a movie called Black Knight in 2001 with Martin Lawrence, where he goes back. It's the same thing. Way better movie than this, by the way. There's been about five versions of the book that this is based on, which is a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, going all the way back to 1921. So 100 years ago was the first movie version of this premise. Jesus. And then, of course, you know, the book, the 1889 novel that Ronnie talked about. Pappy, do you have any final thoughts before we go into ratings? Just that when Daniel Craig was like in his 
state of like days after getting knocked off. And he's like, just take a little off the top and leave the sideburns. So Kane, how many fingers am I holding up? Just a little off the top. Keep the sideburns. Speaks in tongues. And just to take a step back and be like, that guy's going to be James Bond. You know, no matter how bad things are going for you in your career, there's always hope, right? Like, <laughs> like that's, I, I mean, seriously, it's kind of inspirational, right? I, I don't know. Like, that guy goes on to be like James Bond and a ginormous A-list movie star. That's pretty cool. It kind of just reminds me of Angels in the Outfield, which is like a bunch of like superstar actors that don't do a lot in that movie at that time but have had like huge careers. And this is another Disney movie just like loosely connected to baseball that has some actors that really took off. Kate Winslet and Daniel Craig, of course. Mm -hmm. I guess my only other final thought was after you were mentioning that, Ronnie and Corey saying this is like a story that's been adapted for, you know, literally hundreds of years going back to Mark, Mark Twain. I don't think any of us, not to speak for you guys, but I don't think any of us would actually want to do this, right? Like, there's no fucking way I would ever want to go back to the Middle Ages. That sounds fucking terrible. Like, what a weird story that's been so sticky in our culture. Like, because the actual, like, that in practice would be you get diseased right fucking away. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, people are dying left and right. It's, it's not, wouldn't be a fun thing to do at all. No, it would be absolutely awful. But maybe that's the adaptation we need. The one where it's just a complete awful nightmare, like an eight-episode series that ends with the person's horrible death. <laughs> well, not to get all book nerdy on you guys, but like that's the whole purpose of Twain's novel, is to make fun of the entire fetal system, this idea of divine right of kings, like God picks his bloodlines to rule, the church kind of controlling everything. So that's the whole point of the original novel, is to say... Look how stupid this is and how much better our world is. Like this whole romanticized view of medieval times is like way wrong and off. And not to mention almost everyone was like a slave, basically. So it's like, yeah, and who the fuck wants to go back there? Hot take, Mark Twain, a better writer than the people who wrote this movie. I'm going <laughs> to go there. <laughs> Jonathan, any final thoughts? Oh, my God. No. <laughs> Jonathan is defeated. No, I, no, I don't have anything left to say. You were so positive on this movie, though. You're defending it. No, I, I wasn't defending anything. I was just coming at things from a different point of view than both of you guys. But you love this movie. Well, we'll see in a moment when you give it a rating. Jonathan? I never tossed off, dude. <laughs> I never tossed off. On any rating scale you want, what are you going to give a kid in King Arthur's Court? Holy shit. Um, I'm going to just give this movie a no. It's <laughs> a good rating. I don't, I don't need to watch this. I don't desire to watch this. I don't want my kids to watch this. I don't want my grandkids eventually to ever even know the existence of this movie, to be honest. Like... I, this movie really could just be pulled off of the Disney collection. 
<laughs> take it, it out. Really, yeah, it just seems take it out of the vault. library. Take it. No, <laughs> next no. to the Song of the South, it's going to be that. And this stop <laughs> giving these actors royalties on this movie. <laughs> like, like they should, and they could keep it if they want to start paying us for it. Like, pay <laughs> the audience. Yeah, yeah. Give I, I'm going to need a discount on my Disney Plus bundle <laughs> if they want to keep this movie on. It's dumb. It's not even quirky and silly in a funny way it's just it's just dumb bad story worse acting worse set the ideas and the premises and the the tricks and the gadgets and these things that we love as 90s kids was just just conveyed very poorly I'm embarrassed for having really liked this kind of stuff <laughs> as a as a kid at nine, ten years old, because it is just so cringe. And that's my rating. Thank you. <laughs> Ronnie, on any rating scale you want, what are you gonna give a kid in King Arthur's Court? So I notoriously gave uh, Native American in the wardrobe like six <laughs> out of ten something. And that was like way too high. And but so I'll make up for that right now and give this film three raised boar snouts and haggis out of ten. This movie's awful, and I'm not ashamed that I like this as a kid, but this is one of those moments where you revisit and go, Oh, yeah, I was dumb and this movie's terrible, but I think it's defended upon it's definitely aimed towards nineties kids that are 10, 11, 12, it's forgivable in that way, but there's no redeeming qualities as um, an old, old man looking back on it. Thank you very much, Ronnie. I'm going to go next. I'll keep it short and sweet. Going to give it two training wheels out of 10. (laughs) This movie is like borderline unwatchable because of how bad it is. So, like, if you know this movie and you're listening to this podcast because you know this movie, just keep it in that special compartment in your brain of things that you remember <laughs> mm-hmm. fondly and have not revisited. Because in a lot of cases, when we rewatch these movies, they end up sucking really fucking bad. And this is one of them. And we've talked about a lot of specifics throughout the movie, but this movie is just like breakneck, trying to get to 90s kid tropes, valley speak. You know, the medieval setting doesn't really make sense. It's very Disney-fied and friendly. And it's it's just a very easy environment for this kid to show up and be like, well, look, I got rollerblades. Isn't that radical? And they're like, radical? What does that mean? It's awful, man. This is not a good movie <laughs> yeah. at all. Really fucking bad. But you know what? I might rewatch it sometimes just to get a good laugh at it. Because, uh, you know, it's inept at times. And t- sometimes that's funny. Pappy, what are you going to give a kid in King Arthur's Court on any rating scale you want? I'm going to give this uh, Lord Belasco's hairline out of a full set of hair. (laughs) (laughs) It's really bad. And honestly, this would have been a more enjoyable watch if the whole movie was as stupid as the great equalizer shining the laser (laughs) in his eye. Like, but it's not even that stupid. It's not so bad. It's good. And I genuinely, genuinely think like the cover of the VHS box was designed to trick people into thinking that this was like a sequel to Rookie of the Year or something. Because it's like his uniform looks like a Chicago Cubs uniform <laughs> as I look at it. It's there's nothing. You guys have said it all, but there's nothing redeeming 
here for this movie and i was looking at people giving this like four stars five stars on letterbox and you, you guys are just liars like like you're so blinded <laughs> by nostalgia there's just no fucking way a really 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 bad 90s disney movie letterbox is a weird place for movies like this sometimes you know mm-hmm. sometimes i find a movie like this on letterbox or like some of the ones we talked about at the beginning of the podcast like movies forgotten in time that some of which we talked about are good some of which we talked about are bad and the way people rate these things like as as if it's fucking like i don't know like a masterpiece of christopher nolan or something and it's like <laughs> like high art of some sort yes exactly and uh, of course it is not that which we all know now before we close out i want to give you guys an opportunity to shout out your awesome podcast let's start with you ronnie tell us about what it is that you do and where people can find you Hi, I'm Ronnie. I co-host and do everything for a podcast called Wasted Potential Podcast with my dear friends Shane and Hobo Dam. We talk about movies kind of in this kind of vibe of like 90s, but mostly kind of early mid 2000 movies that are just wonderful to watch and drink and ramble and scream over. We also like to occasionally focus on movies we actually love and do deep deep dives into like series check those out we had Corey on for rocky most recently uh, you can find us on instagram twitter spotify youtube all those things and i appreciate you inviting me on it's been fun working with you guys it's just great to work, work with anyone who's not shane so i really appreciate it <laughs> uh, i'm sure he has turned off the podcast long ago ronnie so he won't be hearing that he doesn't know about this yet, and I really look forward to me telling him I'm podcasting without him because he gets so jealous. It's wonderful. <laughs> Which is odd because he podcasts without you all the time. Right? I highly recommend anyone that is listening to this to check out Ronnie's podcast, Wasted Potential. If for nothing else, then the fact that I was on one of their most recent episodes, if not the most, depending on when this is released where we covered every movie in the Rocky franchise leading up to Creed 3, which wasn't out yet at the time that we recorded that podcast. So there was a lot of fun to be had there. But generally, their podcast is fucking awesome, as long as you're not a sensitive little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Or if you are sensitive to hearing, because we just scream over each other. (laughs) Pappy, why don't you tell the audience about what you do and where people can find you? Yeah, I do a podcast called Spoilers with an explanation point. I think everybody here has been on an episode of Spoilers. Ronnie, we should get you back on. But yeah, there's episodes out now, probably about Battlefield Earth. Uh, There should be one out on The Last of Us Season 1. More of this, but there's always fun podcasts to listen to between Wasted Potential, Big Dumb Movie, and Spoilers. So definitely check us out. And... Special shout out for the comedies albums of Adam Sandler podcast, Jonathan, that you were on. Great fucking episode. We got so much feedback just based on that one episode, including from my mom, who I don't think she knew about the, um, uh, the what's the sketch Mama says or something? Do it for your mama? Do it yeah. for your mama. 
she was fucking horrified. She was, <laughs> <laughs> she was like, have you listened to that podcast? I'm like, yeah, of course I've listened to it. She's like, that Adam Sandler's a weirdo. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, he is, mom. But yeah, check that out. A three-hour epic. Oh, mama. <laughs> three-hour epic on the comedy albums of Adam Sandler. Uh, spoilers podcast. You can find us on, on all the stuff. That was a good one. Jonathan totally carried that episode, which I appreciate. You know, you, you did a lot of the legwork on that one, Jonathan. So I, I thank you for that. Yeah, anytime. I uh, I always have a good time with the uh, spoilers, guys. Oh, what about my podcast? Oh, go ahead. Shout it out. I don't have one. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Things electricians dislike in movies podcast. Oh, God. Don't give me any ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, there was no complaints related to that in this one, right? I mean, the laser. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys very much for listening. If you, the listeners, want to email us, our email is bigdumbmovie at gmail.com, or you can find us on Instagram, bigdumbmoviepodcast. Write in, suggest an episode, tell us what you think. But also, leave us a comment on YouTube. Give us a thumbs up on YouTube even if you don't listen there, because that helps us out a lot. People will listen more on YouTube the more feedback we get there. I love fan mail, by the way. Comments, emails, uh, reviews, whatever. If you say something nice, say something terrible. I don't care. I love the engagement. Send it our way. Jonathan needs more fan mail. Also, the biggest thing you can do for this podcast is leave us a positive rating and written review on Apple Podcasts. That helps boost us in the Apple Podcasts forum, which seems to be a place where a lot of people listen to us. So again, I don't ask for your money, but give us some thumbs up, give us some comments, give us some feedback. The more engagement you have with us, the more listeners we can get, the more podcasts we can make. That's it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. We love you and good night.